welcome to episode 206 of Flicks in a Six, also known as Not Much, Only Online, in Three Hours or Less. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the Jobu Tupaki, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Not today, you New World Order jackboot fuck. <laughs> On this week's episode, we've got James Cameron, stunt coordinator, DCU Chapter 1, History of the World Part 2, believe it or not, Jedi Survivor Delayed, some more AMC horseshit, all before diving into our flick of the week, everything, everywhere, all at once. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Some more AMC horseshoes. <laughs> horseshoes. <laughs> um, we are drinking alternate ending, <laughs> bad mother force user, it's a double oat milk IPA. With Strata, Galaxy, and Mosaic hops, um, in the classic sense of the uh, of all the cans that alternate endings uh, beers do, it's a door opening, and in it is uh, Samuel Jackson from Pulp Fiction, and the shadow he casts is of <laughs> Mace Windu. So of course the color that's of light that's backlighting him is purple for his purple lightsaber, which is ignited. Um, it was Jules Winfield who stopped those bullets, or should we say Jules Windu? <laughs> it says 9% alcohol by volume. It comes in pints, which we love. Um, we're beating the May the 4th um, date that uh, Anthony was regretting <laughs> that I gently reminded him of uh, this. Any beers that we do for the next six months that are stale are because we missed almost six months on our hiatus. So, Hey, it happens. What are you going to do? Uh, to the show, most often, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I will say... I feel Wait, like Anthony, do we hit the four or five year mark? Is it the five year or six, six year mark? Do we I hit the so. six year mark? We're yeah, right probably. around there. It's yeah. February, right? We talked yeah. about this in a recent episode. <laughs> it's sometime in February that yeah. six years, even though we have four years worth of episodes. Yeah. Happy anniversary. February is already taken. We cannot make it flicks in a sixth month. <laughs> 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 um... Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I want to say there's a missed opportunity here, though, because we've done we've done a lot of alternate endings at this point. Um, not nearly as many as we have done Newberg's, but mm. I feel like it, it's getting to the point of, oh, that's clever. The person in the background is casting <laughs> a shadow <laughs> of a different character. A different... He also played. Amazing! Isn't that funny? <laughs> that is amazing. Oh man. This is a. I had this one on draft. Actually, so did you. Okay. Uh, we actually had this beer at my birthday that year. I know we tried a bunch of beers because I wasn't driving. Wait a minute. But this several beers two years old. <laughs> you know, this it didn't not... say a year. It just said May the fourth. Yeah, it's not this past May. It's the previous one. You sure? Yeah, because you were there. Well, but you've no, given me no, their. No, no, no. You've no, given no, me their beers in drops. That too. was. I know. I was, bought some. The you time were there we for walking carpets. That was the one okay. that we had in in uh, in house. I know there was That's more than one Star Wars themed beer. Yeah, they've so had, they've had I them. couldn't uh, remember. Uh, if it Amanda was this with one. no name was one of my favorites, though. That was another one. I know you've given me them in our exchanges before too, so I couldn't yeah. remember. I think you're right. Walking carpet was the one that was there when I. I was vaguely, there. I vaguely remember this one being. Um, around the turn where like I started to actually enjoy the stuff they were putting out, so we might be in for a treat. <laughs> the roller coaster that is Anthony's relationship <laughs> with alternate ending. <laughs> oh, this place right near me—it's so great. I was like, "Oh, cool! I'd love to go with you." Six months later or so, we go. Yeah, uh, 
it's pretty good, I guess. And then like a month later, I can't stand that place. Jeez. What? <laughs> <laughs> they're going on me again. They're, you know, they're very overpriced. Like a lot of their stuff is overpriced. The beer is like a lot of everything average, good is but... overpriced now. So that's fair. Well, not fair. It's accurate. Yeah. Okay. That's probably the best way to say it. Cheers. But this one, um, it smells fairly fresh. It is very consistently colored throughout the glass. Ah, the miracle of Kenning. Yeah, <laughs> I look. Al is at the ready. He has a glass to clank his glass. Yeah, I have a glass I'm not going to clank the microphone because hang on, it'll hang probably on. go out. So. I'll do it right by the mic for you. I have a glass bottle. It's full. It'll give a good clank. Ready? Cheers. One, two, three. I and of course the sound cut out for me. I'm sure the audience heard it. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> That's so nice. Let's see what mine does. No, nah, not as good. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. It does taste like it's trying to be mm. a milk IPA, but it's not actually milk. Yeah. <laughs> it's oat juice. Mm, get some of my oat juice. <laughs> I was listening to somebody talk about um, coffee was it, and couldn't put, like, we call it, oh, is it like we call it uh, almond milk because we can't call it nut juice? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I was like, uh, that's fair. No one would buy it. <laughs> I'm sorry, this just reminded me right before we came down, I was listening to the end of this week's full cast in the, as I was showering, and they were talking about Kevin Steele, who was just hired as the University of Alabama's defensive coordinator, and they were just riffing on, I guess, a personality that they conjured up that they think that Kevin Steele has. He's kind of a crusty old <laughs> stereotypical college football coach, and um, they were <laughs> talking about how in the state of Alabama, one can get a pension as a state employee after 10 years and how he had worked at the University of Alabama several years earlier and then also for the University of Auburn. And they were wondering if this was a scam to get to the 10th year to activate the pension. And it turns out this year will actually satisfy that requirement. Oh my so God. this conspiracy <laughs> theory is honestly not that conspiratorial. That's pretty funny. But... They were then riffing on this character that they've conjured up of what they uh, they suppose Kevin Steele is. And it included, like, oh, you know, something about not wanting to wear a shirt anymore and not having to because he earned his pension. And, you know, we're born shirtless, we'll die shirtless. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bury me without a shirt. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so it said, you know, oh. You gotta you gotta bury be buried without a shirt so that your soul can escape. <laughs> like, in my final days, I've given away all my shirts so that I can uh, <laughs> make sure that when I'm buried, my soul can escape straight through to the sweet sweet paradise after after this world. <laughs> They're talking about oh no, just leave me by the roadside. Don't throw me down in the ground. The grave is just a dirt shirt, and it's gonna trap my soul. <laughs> Are you talking about <laughs> nut juice and, and oat milk and just the dirt <laughs> shirt? <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, oh my god! Back to okay. Back to the beer. Yeah, for real this time. It's a good beer. Uh, it's a really good beer. Uh, it's got a really nice body. The there. It, it interestingly, it, it has the even though it's an oat milk. Uh, I whatever IPA it has like that it has like that lactose like film yes and, that's what I'm and, saying and, it feels like it's trying to be that in the same way that like oat milk is trying to 
simulate yeah. real milk. And you're right. It doesn't get, so I get this weird aftertaste and I'm not a big fan of some of the things that use actual lactose. It's a point where sometimes they'll even turn my stomach from right. the, like the flavor that it feels like that aftertaste. I don't mind the mouthfeel aspect of it generally. Right. It's very specific beer to beer. Cause like the couple of them, I forget what's the name of that brewery that you like from was it Edison or whatever. From where? Edison, New Jersey. Oh, uh, Cypress. Is that the one that you, you've gone to a few times, you bring beer from them all the time, you always rave about them? We've done a few of them on the show. It's been a while, though. I don't think Cypress didn't sound right, but maybe it was. Magnify? Magnify, that's it. All right, they're from Fair, Fairview. Fairview. Oh, I don't know why I thought Fair we Field? looked up something Fair and there was something. something about Edison. Maybe I was mistaken. Maybe Cypress was is different. from Edison. Okay, maybe it was that one yeah. we were talking about that time. <laughs> Magnify is the one I was talking about, though, because one of the ones you gave me was with lactose, and I was mm-hmm. skeptical when we were going to try it. Right, and I it was okay. I it was that. I ended up really liking it, but like mm-hmm. when I had like left hand like milk stout, I loved like the first half of the beer, and then sure. it started getting weird for me. I I just I it was like I can't drink this anymore because it's it's kind of upsetting my like balance. <laughs> yeah, like there's something there is something strange to that. Like I don't really know so much what what else you're getting out of it. Like I know that. I definitely get like what I what I can follow with like the uh, like the lactose beers is that like filminess, but yeah. there's also like this like level of almost like a decadent treat. Like I feel like that comes across because of that. I don't know if that's I associate it with dessert, probably. But and it, maybe that's all that they're going for is that texture. But like I don't know what else flavor wise it does, so I can't really pinpoint what you're talking about. But none of them really bother. I just happen to like them. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Like, the, I've gotten it from one or two other of those beers, but it was most intense with the left-hand one. Um, but like I said, I didn't get that from the Magnify one. So, <clears throat> I don't know. You're right. The, what, was the, the, what was the left-hand one called again? It's like, it's like the Nitro Milk Stout or something yes, like that. Yes, okay, right. I like, I like that one. And when, like, now, when you, when you add the fact that it's nitrogenated instead of carbonated, as well mm-hmm. as the lactose element, what you're really going for with both of those aspects is mouthfeel. It's going to give you that creamy yeah. velvety sensation that mm-hmm. not the big bubbles of, of carbon. So I understand that. I appreciate it. It is kind of a nice change of pace. I, it's nice to have some beers that way as versus some beers, the other in like the traditional way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I'm always wary when it comes to that sort of beer. Yeah. This, this one in particular has that really nice texture of a, really well incorporated latte like where the where the bubbles in the milk are are so fine and it's like increased in volume only the buttons nice the and lean and the, the tomatoes and- nice and lean <laughs> 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 but uh i yeah you know what i'm gonna go i i think this is a three thuckle for me okay i i, I very much like this it is fresh and vibrant i really like this hot mix as well uh, but I, I'm gonna go two, two thuckles. Very solid. Would drink again, but uh, yeah, just I would say two, solid. Two sounds good. Quite sounds solid. Good. Nice. Wow. I, and I, once again, we're, we've we've had some some good luck with the beers since we've returned. I won't count this one as a break. We had one week off. We're sorry. What does that mean? That means you get two Last of Us episodes in the post credits. Also. <laughs> Two episodes. The second to last word on The Last of Us. <laughs> the second to last and last word on The Last of Us. Um, as well as you get two weeks worth of 
news and notes and nuggets, which when that when that happens, typically things get weird. Things do get weird. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I'm, I'm not even going to tease. This one's going to get weird, Anthony. <laughs> it's going to get weird? You're going to. Weird. Whether you want to or not, you're going to. We don't really have much of a choice but to get started. So, Al, why don't you kick us off? I think we should start with... I gave you a lovely buffet of options, so please. I'm going to start at the top. What's going on with James Cameron's stunt coordinator? Oh, man. We're going to start right off with the weird. Oh, good. Okay. Wait, should I should I save it? Should I put that one... No, that's fine. I'm doing that. list a little bit? Right. You can do it now. Okay, so this is a bit of a rabbit, rabbit hole here. Okay, so the starting point of this is a tweet from January 27th from someone named James Layton on Twitter. Uh, he posted a video of some behind the scenes with the stunt crew for Avatar 2 Way of Water. Uh, it said it's nominated for four Oscars, including Best Picture. Here's some incredible behind the scenes footage of how the team shot motion capture sequences underwater. Really cool video embedded. So someone else named Trevor... Trevor Cumbo on Twitter. Just Trevor. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Trevor was the the display name and got it. Trevor Cumbo is the handle. I was wondering how the stunt coordinator in this video ended up with an eye patch. I figured it was from a stunt gone wrong. So I looked it up and it turns out he lost his eye when he was shot four times by a hitman hired by his ex-wife to kill him. What? Yeah. What? Yep. <laughs> so Oh my god. Naturally I don't need to laugh, but <laughs> Naturally, I don't know what else to do in this situation. Naturally, I went digging. <laughs> I'm going to need more information. So I found a great story that was on, like, I want to say the Washington Post. I read it, saved it. But apparently that used up my free article. So when I went to bring it back up, I uh, can't access it again. So I had to find a less good story, but sure. still with the important details. So this is on the Huffington Post. This is from 2012. Hollywood stuntman Garrett Warren stopped by the Jeff Probst show on Thursday to talk about a near-fatal assassination attempt arranged by ex-wife casino actress Claudia Harrow. In May of 2000, just one month after a judge awarded the former couple joint custody of their daughter, a stranger rang the doorbell of Warren's Westlake Village, California home. The man at the door asked Warren if he was the owner of the silver Volvo in the driveway. Quote, I said, yeah, that's my car. So I opened the door and peeked my head outside to see if my car had been hit. And when I did, he had a gun down by his right side, by his right leg, and he picked it up and started shooting. What in the world? Warren was shot four times on the doorstep of his own house. He believed that Harrow, who was also once married to Joe Pesci, was behind the attack because of their, quote, heated divorce and continued arguments about what was best for their daughter. The case was cold for two years until San Bernardino police stumbled upon an envelope with Warren's picture and address in the trunk of a car that belonged to drug dealer and restaurant owner Michael Carraz. That clue eventually led police to hitman Jorge Hernandez and Harrow's younger brother, Manuel, who was also involved in the crime. In December 2005, Harrow was arrested. On the night before the trial, she pleaded no contest on two counts of attempted murder. In April 2012, she was sentenced to 12 years and four months in prison, although it's unlikely she will serve the entire sentence. Now, that's all that was on this story. I'm sorry, what was the sentence? Um, 12 years and four months. There was a whole back and forth, which... Again, if you guys go digging, you can find the rest of this story. But some of the highlights that I recall from reading this two weeks ago was they arrested the drug dealer and found this, and it led them to this whole network of the guy who was who who shot him four times. Uh-huh. Someone else who was hired to finish the job and didn't when he survived. The ex-wife, the ex-wife's brother, Joe Pesci himself, who showed up to the trial despite them having been divorced already at that point because... They had been divorced years earlier, and 
there was an investigation that never turned anything up, but Joe Pesci may or may not have funded it indirectly and directly the hit because oh. it sounds like she borrowed money from her ex-husband Joe Pesci to pay the hitmen. Hitmen, because again, she hired two of them, one to kill him and when he failed, a second one to get the job done where he didn't. And there was, I think, rumors of a third attempt as well. So, okay, this story is absolutely absurd. This right? is this should be a movie. This should be a movie. It absolutely in, should be a movie. It, it should but, either be extremely serious or it should be in the style of the unbearable waste of ma- weight of massive talent. Like where it's like a caper. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's no other I, way to I, do I, it. I'm, I am down with that. That sounds right. Um, here's my concern. We're getting, we're getting caught up in, there's so much ridiculousness. Yes. to unpack here. That's what there's I'm saying. I'm one, just gonna like just keep splatting it on the on the. There's you just one pick inc- up what you want. like serious question that, of all of the craziness that you just spilled. The only thing that I'm thinking about is how did he get shot four times and now have to wear an eye patch? Well, one of them Where, was in the head. I, yeah, that's and he's okay. <laughs> yeah, he is still actively twenty something years later doing stunt coordination for James Cameron and has done so on multiple movies. I think. That is insane to me. Yeah. I saw, I saw, I think there was a detail in the first story I read, like after he shot him four times, he was in the house with like his mother and his mother came out and the guy fired at her too. Didn't hit her. And then he ran away. They hired stormtroopers. Well, he shot him four times. Four bullets hit him. He just didn't die. Was he using a BB gun? No, I think it was like a revolver or something. Is 12 years enough of a sentence? For hiring two assassins? Probably not, no. Okay. I mean, when you hire the one assassin, maybe you can make the argument that it was a crime of passion. But when you've hired the second one, you're trying to cover up the initial crime of passion, which is no longer a crime of passion. Yeah. Yeah. I am flabbergasted. (laughs) Isn't isn't it usually, isn't the cover-up worse than the crime? Isn't that always the phrase? So when you hire the second assassin... You're covering up the failed assassination, which God, the, you can you can be better is if the second assassin killed the first assassin and that was the attempt at the cover up. The only way you could have like <laughs> beaten this was if like it was Joe Pesci and he recreated the scene from Goodfellas. But it you was, said Joe Pesci instead. <laughs> no, no, like like Joe Pesci was yeah. doing yeah, instead yeah. of being the one getting whacked. <laughs> like that's the only way that you could top this. True. True. Oh my god! That this is this is I mean, this is the most fascinating thing. I I don't even know how we go on from this. <laughs> I know. Well, like I said, we're gonna get weird. You chose the weirdest one. Wow, that is bananas. Um, yeah, I wish I had like the original story because there was, like I said, more details, and some of it was a little bit more in like a gossip because it wasn't it wasn't that it was like not reported factually. It was just a lot of. And then this guy said, and then this guy said, and this and like sure. this is all real testimony, but like it was just it, it got to be too much a little bit, but yeah. there was more rich in detail as well. So. I just love the I love the idea of wa- like watching <laughs> the information on the stunt coordination and being like, I bet there's a cool story behind how this guy's got an eye patch, and then to, to only just be blown away, like could never have guessed in a million years. Yeah, this guy's probably thinking, oh yeah, they were doing I don't know Titanic, and when they were yeah. doing one of the scenes where there was an explosion in the engine room, like a bolt shot out and hit him in the eye, and it's like, wow, that was badass. Yeah, nope, yeah. this guy was almost assassinated. Not you think almost killed, killed, almost assassinated. Top three guesses: You're going explosion, uh, unfortunately prop gun, 
or you're thinking animal attack. Yeah, like a horse right? kicked him or Surely. something gouged his eye out or car accident. Yeah. Bad fall. You know? Uh a really intense hand to hand with with actual weapons fight, didn't pull the punch properly, gouged an eye. Yeah. Right? All of these things, absolutely plausible. Never, never are you thinking... Joe Pesci's ex-wife tries to kill him. Joe Pesci's ex-wife hired an assassin who, who, I mean, successfully shot him four times. And unsuccessfully killed him. And unsuccessfully killed him. Thankfully, of course. Now, I'm going to assume the same assassins were hired to kill the DC extended. <laughs> Transition. <laughs> Why don't you take this thing away? <laughs> All right. I got a couple of stories here, too, so give me a second. I, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause you before you even get started. I watched the whole James Gunn talking about what the DCU is going to be. So you probably and, know more than I do, then, because I skimmed through this article. And I was pretty excited. I was like, oh, this is cool. We're going to get a glimpse into it. And it's like, we're still going to release this. And I immediately went, oh, you fumbled. Like, I'm, just. Yeah, if you were going to kill this and kill that, you would think just kill it all. Uh-huh. Let, let the past can, die. Kill it if you I can to. appreciate. There's one comment, one takeaway from it that I appreciated, which was that the, this like idea of like the DC like legacy or extended, whatever it is that it's like, we're going to allow these things to still be made, but they do not correspond to the dcu so that like matt reeves batman for example can the, ter- the term they w- they used i believe was elseworlds else sure yeah that's that's fine whatever it means basically all it means is not part of the dcu sure i'm just they established a bit of house language so we might as well use it yeah it's like it's kind of like uh i feel like very similar to like how sony has some marvel stuff except they were, we're tying that stuff back in to the MCU, where except, DC except can Venom, keep it apparently. over there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that is interesting. But anyway, go on. So this was a story on the wrap from right when that press conference happened. Um, DC's new slate: here are the ten movies and shows that kick off Chapter One of the DCU. A new era of DC has arrived. DC Studios co-chair people and CEOs James Gunn and Peter Safran unveil their initial slate of new projects to the wrap. And a small group of reporters on Monday explaining how this brand new slate of movies and TV shows make up a, quote, unified approach to DC storytelling while unveiling some exciting details about the direction DC will take going forward. Described as Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, this initial slate of 10 projects, which Gunn clarified doesn't comprise the entirety of Chapter 1, just the first part, will introduce audiences to a completely unified approach to DC movies and shows in in contrast to the aborted Zack Snyder-steered series of DC films in various self-contained universes, like Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Almost everything coming up, starting with a new Superman movie, will take place in the same universe, will mark a cohesive piece of storytelling. It's the first time ever that everything DC-related, film, television, live-action, animation, gaming, is all centralized under one creative vision, that of James and myself, Saffron explained at the presentation. This is my parenthetical here. Thank you. It's only how many years I've been sitting DC. Can you please just get this shit organized a little bit? <laughs> it's it's very much stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> yes. We're going to promise that everything from our first project forward is going to be unified. Gunn added, noting that when he came to DC to write and direct the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, no, quote, no one was minding the mint. They were just giving away IP like they were party favors to any creators that smiled. Another, <laughs> another, another parenthetical. This was the Marvel approach 
prior to well as right. kevin feige was climbing the ranks and before he was able to wrestle it into one thing under disney because yeah prior to that that's why you had fox with the fantastic four and x-men yep. and you had sony with spider-man because they marvel before they were owned by a a, a larger creative force that could bankroll these things in a serious way it was like yeah that sounds good. Why don't you do that and pay us some money to do it? Oh yeah, why don't you go do that and pay us some money to do it? And finally, Disney Disney wrested control of most of that. So um, that's more or less, I think, probably for the best. There's obviously pros and cons to that. Um, mm-hmm. So what are these ten projects? Well, we run down what's up, first up in the DCU and what Gunn and Saffron revealed about them during the presentation. Creature Commandos, a TV series. It's an animated TV series based on the comic property of the same name that brought vampires, werewolves, and zombies into the DC universe. It's already in production, and Gunn revealed that in its unified DCU, animation will lead into live action, will lead back into animation. Sorry. that is So that was a takeaway that I thought was pretty cool, was they're going to be doing a bunch of animated shows, and their intention is to continue is to have the same actors be the voice actors, and vice versa, so that there's a consistency between the character performance, whether it's animated or live action which I think is a pretty cool way to go. And I hope, I actually hope that that means putting more voice actors on screen because I think that voice actors are incredible. Well, I've got some (laughs) news for you. Okay. Confirmed characters include Weasel from The Suicide Squad, played by Sean Gunn, as well as Rick Flagg Sr., with Gunn revealing that they're casting the voice actors to also play the same character in live action down the road. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Gunn wrote all seven episodes you of see, Creature Commandos himself. That's how you do it. <laughs> you aim, <laughs> you hit your target. So uh, Gunn wrote all seven episodes of that show. The next one after that is Waller. Viola Davis reprised her role as Amanda Waller in a TV series focused on her character. Some of the characters that we're doing, we're changing out. This is a multiverse. Some of the characters were using the same actors. Viola is still playing Waller and she has Team Peacemaker with her. The series will fall in between the first and second seasons of Peacemaker, as Gunn explained, he's been busy reading Creature Commandos and Superman, so Peacemaker Season 2 is delayed. Crystal Henry from Watchmen and Jeremy Carver from Doom Patrol are writing Waller. Okay. Superman Legacy. This is a movie. While those shows were described as the aperitif of the DCU, Gunn and Saffron explained that Superman Legacy will kick off their vision in earnest. This is really the start of the DCU. It's currently being written by James, and I sincerely hope that he can be persuaded perhaps to direct it as well. It's not an origin story. It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human up. He's the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned. A tentative release date of July 11th, 2025 is set. There is, like, this is super important. I feel like there is an opportunity here with the story that they, are, that they just explained of doing something absolutely incredibly narrative and wonderful and doesn't have to go crazy action, but like really like display different perspectives and whatnot. I don't know what their plan is. And obviously they're going to go at least slightly action heavy, but Mm. I think there, there really could be something to this movie. Uh, Superman is a particular character. He is fairly unique amongst the major, major heroes, right? Yeah. Most of them aren't like him. They have darkness. They balance that darkness. They run from that darkness. They embrace that darkness. He is supposed to always be light. 
It is a core concept of his character, which is why the Snyder ones would just never work. Yep. Now, and I'm not a huge Superman aficionado. From what I've seen about people who love the character and his stories, you can't run away from the fact that he's corny. You have to embrace it. It's the only way the character works. Otherwise, you get the Cavill one. There always has to be some sort of camp and corniness to him in the story. Meaning... There has to be a little bit of sunshine and rainbows and puppy dogs and all that shit yeah. for it to work. And it, that is a difficult balance to strike. It is. Doesn't mean there can't be any strife, because of course you need strife, right? There's incredibly powerful stories. I mean, I remember from like those cartoons, like when we were kids. I don't know if it was a Batman one or whatever. I forget. Batman Superman Adventures. Yeah. And I remember the one where. Like, it was Darkseid showed up, I think, and it was like a couple episode arc and all that, and that was an incredibly dark story. It was, it was yeah. one of the few things I remember from those. It was really, I remember being really struck by it at the time. As Immediately, I was a young kid. I thought it was sure. really well done, but like, you can have a piece of that in the story, but at the end of the day, the core concept of the character has to be his, like, he's like the embodiment of like the Jedi during like the High Republic time, where it's like, we're encouraged to love unconditionally like yeah he has to be a force for good not just for justice he has to be for good and good and kind and love lovingness and all that like those are the core tenets of that character they have to be embraced and the to make the story interesting you get into the areas of like but sometimes there's a gray area and him not being able to at like or having difficulty coping with that. Yeah. And it has to, it can't be him being emo season. and going away. Like it's going to no. be him actually no, God, processing please. it no, and not again. No <laughs> island in the sun. Like just, no. <laughs> it's got to be him processing it and becoming better because of it, right? Like yeah. that's what Pa Kent dying is supposed to do for him. Okay. It's supposed to teach him how to internalize and process grief in a healthy way to learn something to try and do better. Right. Anyway, there's a chance that this is excellent. Sure. I mean, because of where they're lined, because of this explanation and how they're setting the stage, I think that they maybe understand. Well, this is (laughs) the, the, the criticism that even from an early time where I didn't totally hate the first Superman movie, it wasn't good, but I didn't hate it. It wasn't, like, particularly bad. It but was just even there. from then, I saw people saying, and that's what I'm drawing, like, my kind of monologue there was drawing from this that I saw over the years, was the people who love Superman and the characters, like, it's very obvious that Zack Snyder has very little regard for Superman, mm-hmm. the character, because if you're doing this with the character, it shows you fundamentally don't understand or just reject what Superman is all about, which is why in a movie called Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, Superman has less lines than Alfred. It's a verifiable fact. He says less words than Batman's butler in a movie that is titled Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) It's insane. Like, it sucks. Like... There, it's fun to talk about those movies, and it's I, I'm kind of glad to have experienced them, and 
I there's there's bits and pieces that I enjoy. Like there are certain aspects that I got to see, you know, live action versions of, which I thought was awesome, like certain costumes and things like that, which is great. But the thing that sucks the most is that it it took away for so long from getting to some sort of cohesive place with storytelling that hopefully makes sense. Now, granted, I know this also could be a matter of taste. I I I so far love what James Gunn can do. I don't particularly care for what Zack Snyder can do. Like it, it all feels the same at this point. Zack Snyder was, it didn't work out per- perfectly, right? But Zack Snyder was the right person to try to do Watchmen. That yeah. was a story with his sensibility. Uh-huh. Um, it, it wasn't a perfect adaptation, but he got a lot of it right. I, I, I have said it in the past. I liked the Watchmen movie. It was fine. I, well, that, but this is always the thing. You said you hadn't read it, right? I read no, it. No, I hadn't read it at the time. Yeah. So I had read it. So there was disappointment from that aspect of it. But sure. it wasn't a terrible movie. I liked it. It, But it, it wasn't a great adaptation, but it was a solid movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the right person for the tone of that story. Right. But he, then we took that tone and we're like, let's lay it on top of everything. Yeah, and not everything needs to be painted with that sepia-colored brush. Like, Watchmen is a very cynical movie. Like, it's a cynical story. That's what I'm saying. He was perfect for that. Yeah, and then but then it's like, okay, now we're going to do the cynical Batman story and the cynical Superman story. And it's like... And to to be honest, like as much as I loathe Tim casting Ben Affleck, that version of the Batman he wanted to tell, he was right for that version of Batman. Yeah. For sure. It's just that it was all a little bit flat because there was nothing there was nothing special about any of them. Well, that's the thing is you can't have cynical Batman trying to reconcile with cynical Superman. Like you need yeah. cynical Batman to That's how you get Martha. <laughs> yeah, to reconcile with Beacon of Light Superman, right? You need yeah. Superman to understand why Batman is cynical and you need Batman to understand that you can still come back to the light, right? Like you need yeah. those two like you know opposites to attract otherwise yeah you just get martha because it's just too you know it's 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 will Arnett. no parents yeah. <laughs> darkness um pretty bold to put a release date not a window there's a release date yeah on superman legacy and i gotta be honest i i'm not gonna go in with any sort of fear or skepticism because i really like gun and i think he's got a good handle on doing these sorts of movies but Mm -hmm. i also don't think he's a supernatural pick for superman either yeah i will however i i I agree i don't i don't i don't personally i don't see it immediately but at the same time i have never been a huge superman fan no so when i watch and i think that's why I, i would encourage you to watch him talking about it he conveys his love of the character and of the DC proper. Like he, he loves that stuff. And I think that that is like loving it from like being a kid. I don't know. And like, you know, I feel like they, I I haven't really heard anything about Zack Snyder's love of that stuff. and, And I'm sure it's there, but like there was something very genuine about what he was saying. And there was pure excitement as he explained it. Like, and there was also a little bit of, this is how we're doing it. It's, it's the vision that I have for it. And it's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not pretending to be somebody else's vision. I'm not doing your vision. Like this is 
how I see it going. And sure, honestly, it's, that it's could a, be good and bad, but yeah, it's like least, like Snyder had that too, right? Right, but I feel like it could at least create some cohesion. And we all we already know that James Gunn can handle a lot of characters that shouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the thing is, so Guardians has a lot of heart. So that's the thing that I'm encouraged mm-hmm. by because you need that level of empathy to yeah. be able to write this character. But the Guardians are by design an incredibly sarcastic bunch. That doesn't jive with Superman. Now, they're not no. the cynical group that, and we're not talking about that sort of thing, but I mean, like, they, there's characters that have cynicism. But sure. Like, you can look at the Groot-Rocket relationship where, in this analogy, Rocket is cynical Batman and Groot is <laughs> the beacon of light that is right. Superman. <laughs> and watching the two of them interplay and how they bring out the best in each other, that's, like, the type of thing you're going to play off of. So he can do it. Although, to be fair, half of the dialogue in that relationship is just the words, I am Groot. Sure. But it works. So can we have Batman brooding and Superman saying, I am Superman? (laughs) (laughs) He just keeps saying over and over, truth, justice, and the American way. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) You know, it's it's funny there. I guess maybe if I had to level up a potential concern about this, like I like James Gunn Uh, so far. He's, he's done well for me. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with this. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm just very curious as to where this goes because the DC universe has hurt me. But <laughs> what I was taken against my will on a birthday to go see the Justice League movie. <laughs> but the, the concern, my concern is that like where Zack Snyder went to dark and blah, is it going to be too cheeky? Like, is it going to end up being like, and I, I, I expect a level of camp. To be intro- to be reintroduced intentionally. I mean, but, pure the first Superman movie, Lex Luthor and his cronies, pure cap. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not necessarily that's a bad thing. No, it's fine. It's fine. I think it's fine for the movie overall. I don't know if it's great for Lex specifically. Right. But Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, a campy <laughs> Lex Luthor, is. <laughs> something that shouldn't work and I guess you can argue to what degree it does work but it doesn't entirely not work sure yeah alright yeah I'll, we'll see we'll see where, where it goes I'm, I'm excited what, right. what, keep, go, keep on keep on that's like we still have a lot of these yeah Lanterns yeah. it's a TV series Green Lantern will finally come to the screen again in a new TV series it's a huge HBO quality TV event it's already in development and our vision for this is very much in the vein of True Detective terrestrial based it's got two of our favorite green lanterns hal jordan and john stewart starring oh god they put ring in parentheses starring in a true detective type mystery and it plays a really big role leading into the main story that we're telling <laughs> it just registered to me what you said yeah sorry <laughs> starring who and we're sorry starring in a true detective type mystery and it plays a really big role leading into the main story that we're telling across our film and television the series replaces the previous green lantern TV show that was in the works, which Saffron said was more of a space opera and is no longer in development. That idea was spearheaded by Greg Berlanti and was to star Finn Whitrock and Jeremy Irvine. We do not have casting for this role as oh, of okay. this gotcha. 
as of the writing. Know, is this a live action? Um, that was, I believe that was the case. Okay, cool. Because they said, yeah, it's a huge HBO quality TV event. So I'm assuming that means live. Yeah. That's uh, like, I, I, you know what? And the more that I think about these properties, the more I feel like you, you, you kind of nailed something before. It's like, but do you get the thing you're working with, Zach? Yeah. Like that, like, because there is some really cool stuff about the Green Lantern and like Green Lan- and the Lanterns in general that like, it could make for some really compelling, and like this is a really interesting take. Like I like this idea of like a make it, make it mysterious and a detective. Like they're trying to solve something. Like and just the setting is different, and the circumstances of like <laughs> physics are different. But otherwise, like make it a really like if you can make it this intriguing mystery, I think it, that'll be an incredible show. It's also leaning on or learning from which. James Gunn was a part of what the to me the peak of the MCU was in that phase three phase four turn where we when we first debated the idea of superhero fatigue we talked about well is this just another superhero movie or is this a movie with superheroes that's a different sort of movie and we had a Cold War type of thriller movie with the Winter Soldier and we had a space opera with that turned into a buddy cop movie with Thor Ragnarok. And we had so so good, a heist movie in Ant-Man and you know, so you had different types of movie. So that's the, the thing that they're learning from the the successes and failures of the MCU. Okay. We're going to give you a green lantern show. It's not just going to be green lanterns. It's going to be a true detective type of show. Okay. That's a different thing that you can leverage into getting more of your characters in, tell a part of your story, get a little bit of that connectivity, but still, and you can keep your house feel, but still do something different, fundamentally different within there. So you're not just watching, here's a superhero movie or show with Green Lanterns. It's a detective show with mm-hmm. Green Lanterns. Yeah, I feel like there's something special to that. Like, And I feel like this could work really well with the Lanterns in that like, it's the idea of there's going to be some sort of mystery that they're trying to solve with information like that they do not know the answer to and that's where it gets interesting right because they know a lot already so i feel like that's and that's how you can layer on some really big cross like story arc which it sounds like they're saying is what they're doing here. can we just like, get woody harrelson and matthew mcconaughey to play oh. al jordan and <laughs> john stewart <laughs> if they just they just make them shiny and it's the first season of true detective I mean, you could do worse things. <laughs> I'd watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, time is a flat circle. <laughs> oh, man. Cool. The, What's next? The Authority. It's a movie. I know nothing about this. Based on the Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch comic book series, The Authority, this film will incorporate characters from DC's Wildstorm imprint into the DCU. One of the things with the DCU is it isn't just a story of heroes and villains, and not every movie and TV show is going to be about good guy versus bad guy. Giant thing from the sky comes and good guy wins. There are black hats, white hats, and gray hats. There are people that are anti-heroes, and there are people that are very questionable, like the Authority, who basically believe that you can't fix the world in an easy manner, and they sort of th- take things into their own hands. That's all I got for you. That's, that sounds cool. Again, interesting. Also, fundamentally, Different. did not tell us anything about it. Oh no! But like, it's not like they—they're outside of the realm of your of your 
binary like good and evil like mm-hmm. it's a uh we're gonna it's probably gonna be very compelling they're gonna do some stuff that you don't immediately agree with but then you go well oh okay oh i see i see why well to, <laughs> to continue the hbo allegory if green lanterns is going to be true detective is the authority going to be Westworld? Because you've got black hats and white hats and gray hats? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Paradise oh, I Lost! Stumbled, I stumbled across the Westworld movie, and it is now on my list to watch. My dad was watching it a couple of years ago, right after I'd watched the first season. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right, it's a movie, isn't it? And he goes, yeah, what else would it be? I was like, a very popular TV show, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on different sides of this. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, That's funny. Uh, there was a couple of those movies, too. It wasn't just Westworld. There was oh, other really? ones. Yeah, because there was the different parks. So <laughs> there was a, uh, there was two or three movies, I think. Oh, cool. I know very, very little about them, and I didn't watch anything past the first season of the show, which I loved. And maybe it got I canceled, though, right? Yeah. But it did three or four seasons. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I was super excited for the second season. If you season, get canceled, then, watch... then you're not done telling your story. So I'm like, mm. The fan base seemed to have a love-hate relationship with the show after the first season. I loved, loved the first season. Was super excited for the second season. And I just, all the promotional material for it didn't sit right with me. And I spent zero minutes watching the second season. And maybe it ended up being the right decision. I don't know. Hmm. Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost. The TV series. While Wonder Woman 3 may be up in the air. That's putting it politely, but okay. Um, Gun and Saffron... Hang on, see, okay. Here's the thing that's really bothering me, though. Is there's a couple of things that they're still not, like, definitively saying it's not part of. So the thing is, they've already embarked on making Aquaman 2, and they're done making the Flash movie. So I understand as much as it's offensive to your sensibilities, if they want to just cash in on having made those movies, I don't begrudge them that. But if you haven't even started making this movie, why bother? All right. But also, there was, uh, in part of his talk, the Flash movie is, is going to reset the timeline. I mean, that's part of it, but still. Making this all a possibility. Sure, but that's putting the cart before the horse. Like, they're just using that as a convenient excuse, you know what I mean? I'm so, I am blown away that that movie's actually coming after everything. Well, if you heard, now, I don't know if it was, it was, I don't know if it was part of this exact press conference and all that, or if it was right after. James said it's the best superhero movie he's ever seen. Well, I, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave that off the side. (laughs) Apparently, they all kidnapped and interventioned. Ezra Miller. How I Met Your Mother style? I the, didn't like watch the, the show. And everything? I don't know. But all I know is, all the, like, remember we like kept hearing the weird stuff about they, they, they kept getting arrested and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And there's warrants in Vermont and Alaska and Hawaii and everywhere else. <laughs> yes. And then we heard nothing. Mm-hmm. And then this. Including quotes from all of them where it's it feels like they like handcuffed Ezra Miller to a bedpost and like just kept saying over and over again, you're going to fucking figure it out. We're going to straightjacket you and we're going to put a smile on our face and we're going to help I've you figure it out. I've got much money riding on this horse. Basically. <laughs> uh, it sounds, I mean, that's what it sounds like it happened. It sounds like they 
kidnapped them and like forced them into rehab or <laughs> therapy. Run this race and we're gonna put you down gracefully. <laughs> you, basically, like so. <laughs> I don't have the quotes from that, but I remember seeing something and I was I like I legitimately did like a movie style double take. Like, wait, what? <laughs> It was like, Wait, all's forgiven? Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, oh, and we're really here to help Ezra, and we want to make sure everything's good and they're good. And I was like, oh, okay. We're really here to help Ezra, and we want to make as much money as humanly possible off this movie. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> anyway, well, Wonder Woman 3 may be up in the air. Gunn and Saffron plan on building out the world of the Amazons with the TV series Paradise Lost, which will take place on Themyscira, the birthplace of Wonder Woman, before the birth of Diana following the political intrigue of an all-female society. It's going to be a Game of Thrones-ish story about the Mascara, Paradise Island, the home of the Amazons, and it's also the birthplace of Wonder Woman. This drama is really about the political intrigue behind a society of all women. What's, what's the origin of an island of all women? What are the beautiful truths and the ugly truths behind all of that? And what's the scheming like between the different power players in that society? Uh, like I said, it's going to be before Diana's birth, so Wonder Woman is not designed to be a part of the show. This I'm whole... hearing like this remix of the Wonder Woman theme and the Game of Thrones in my head. Is it? This is uh, something I'll probably get you a little bit more excited. The Brave and the Bold movie. Yeah, I'm so excited for this. I really, I mean, I think there's, it's going to be interesting. I think that it's going to have a hard time fighting with the demand of moviegoers that are not completely engrossed in all of this news like we are and don't understand why there's another Batman movie. <laughs> Which, to be fair, like, it's me. I'm bitches. Like, I've been saying all along, why are there 14 different Batmans? Sure. But you understand, though. I do, but it doesn't have to like it. No, you don't have to. You don't have to like, and you know, you know there was that was that there was that one, there was that one dark era. <laughs> like, well, there was two. There were two eras. Martha. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. But no, this is this is exciting. I'll be cool. Um, I I was happy to hear him talk about this particular entry and like the idea of like we're 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 gonna we're gonna dive right in. We're gonna do Batman and Robin. We haven't done Batman and Robin in a very like in a very long time. We don't talk about Batman and Robin. Some might argue that we've never done Batman and Robin <laughs> on the <laughs> on the big screen. Um, yeah. So this could be cool. The Brave and the Bold will be based on Grant Morrison's Batman run. It'll introduce the DCU's Batman and the Bat Family, which will exist separate from Robert Pattinson's Batman and the Matt Reeves films, which will fall under the quote Elseworlds category outside this continuity. This is the introduction of the DCU Batman, Bruce Wayne, and also introducing our favorite Robin, Damian Wayne, who was a little son of a bitch assassin murderer. Yep. That's a direct quote from James Gunn. Yep. Batman That's didn't, a great description. Batman didn't know Damian existed for the first eight to ten years of his life, and Gunn describes this as, quote, a very strange father-son story. about. I, I imagine, <laughs> picture the Batman ones where Batman's killing people. And everybody else is like, what are you doing? Except in this case, Batman is doing that to Robin. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm picturing kind of like a Pink Panther-esque thing where like, Robin just keeps trying to like push Batman down the stairs and shit. 
And he just like, you know, he's like in Wayne Manor and he like tabletops him down a flight of stairs and like, but thankfully like Alfred swapped out the stairs for like pillow stairs and like he ends up being okay. Or, you know, they're on top of a rooftop, like hunting down their prey and Robin just pushes him over the edge and it just forces Batman to use his like grappling hook earlier than anticipated to like swing. And, like... I'm picturing more like Alfred going, how was your day? It was great. Bruce took me to my survival swim class. It was just swim class. Swim, swim, step. <laughs> That's a leak. That's a leak joke. Booster gold. What is this? I have no, I have no. I, you know what? The, so I read this article like almost two weeks ago. And then, like, three days ago, I just saw someone talking about Booster Gold online as if, like, everyone was supposed to know who that is. And I was like, what? Right. Right. The way they were saying it was like, yeah. Also, in the picture that they showed, there's Batman and Robin in it. So I'm wondering what that has. Uh, Not the picture I have. Mine looks like it's some classic comics run. If the years of stops and starts, a Booster Gold adaptation will come to fruition as part of Gunn and Saffron's plans. It's about a loser. He's just the Gilderoy Lockhart of the DCU. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, it's it's about a loser from the future who uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. It's basically imposter syndrome as a superhero. Yeah. Supergirl. They seemed excited about it. I'm glad someone so, is. Yeah. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. It's a movie based on Tom King's comic book series. This one sounds interesting. It will feature a very different type of character than audiences are possibly expecting. In our DCU, we see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time he was an infant, versus Supergirl, who was raised on a rock chip off of Krypton and watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life. If the film follows King's comics, the story will be a space journey following Supergirl, a dog, and a young woman seeking revenge. This will not be a continuation of the Supergirl TV series. Something. That one sounds cool because that's going to give you like the juxtaposition of like there there is your what could have been if Superman didn't have these ideals instilled in him, right? Like, yeah, wasn't it called Brightburn? That movie was so twisted. <laughs> I never ended up getting around to it. I know you saw it, but oh my goodness, I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, Swamp Thing, the movie, which I will get to as soon as I scroll down. Gunn and Saffron, perhaps unsurprisingly, are also developing a Swamp Thing and use this opportunity to stress that although the DCU will be connected, they intend for each film to have total diversity. These stories, although they're not interconnected, sorry, although they are interconnected, they're not all tonally the same. So each set of filmmakers brings their own aesthetic to these films and not one sepia brush. And the fun is seeing how these tonally different works will match up in the future. Uh, that tonally thing was, was my parenthetical. Uh, the film investigates the dark origins of Swamp Thing. The comic was previously adapted into a live-action TV series in 2019. That was canceled after one season. Cool. Sorry, there is a um, a link under this part of the story that says, also read DC, quote, fully supportive of Ezra Miller's recovery. Semi- <laughs> semicolon. James Gunn says The Flash is one of the greatest superhero movies ever. <laughs> um, wasn't there more? Oh, is that 10? Did we hit 10? Um, that seems something, to be something. Authority, Lantern, Waller. Did you mention Waller? That was earlier on. Creature Commando. No, it seems to be all of them. Paradise Lost, The Brave and the Bull, Supergirl, and Queens. 
So the, that's exciting. I mean, there's a lot on the horizon. I yeah. like that. I, I like that there's this big plan. They have an intention. They already seem to like they chose the stories that they're going to be telling because they have an idea already of like I'm sure they have like a giant whiteboard somewhere with like how they all connect and what the overarching story is going to be. So like I'm I'm here to see at least the first couple of things before before deciding if I'm going to continue to be optimistic or just sad. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic to at least check some of this out. Yeah. So that brings I, up... I'm fascinated. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, but I'm fascinated to see the Flash movie. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm not even talking everything about... Everything around it. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the actual DCU stuff. Sure. So that brings up something else from that press conference, which is with how the Batman Part 2, Joker Folia do, and other upcoming DC movies fit into the new DCU. I, for a second there, I said, I, in my head, I was like, what the hell did you just say? And Duh. I remembered that there's a sequel to the Joker. Dr. Seuss wrote that headline. Yeah. DC, fuck you. Ah, nice. Monthly <laughs> limit since when? <laughs> God damn it, I don't want to sign up for this fuck all. I thought you were referring to Elseworlds as the DC fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to try and read around this. The DCU I'm, and the DCFU? I'm all about it. I'm going to try and read around this pop-up, but it's going to be annoying. Sure. Um, we now know what... Fuck. We now know what DC Studios co-CEO <laughs> James Gunn and Peter Zafford are cooking up for your favorite DC comic characters, including such stalwarts as Superman, Swamp Thing, and Batman and Robin. But as many answers as the announcements provided, there were just as many questions. Chief among them, what will happen to the movies that were already in various states of development at Warner Brothers when Gunn and Saffron were hired? How will they fit into this highly serialized, unified new DC universe? Well, there is, they detailed not only where the products, where the products will be headed, but also what will become of what has already been shot. Why was that such a passive voice? Holy shit. Gone but not forgotten. Fairly early on, Gunn addressed the four movies that are currently in various states of post-production. Shazam! Fury of the Gods, March 17th. The Flash, June 16th. Blue Beetle, August 18th. And Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Christmas Day. Movies that will all debut before Gunn and Saffron's new state. We will say that we've gotten very lucky with the next four projects. Shazam 2 is coming out. Shazam is kind of off to itself, but then Shazam leads into Flash and the Flash... Resets everything. I will say here that The Flash is probably one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. <laughs> it's an amazing film, and then it goes into Blue James, Beetle. James, blink twice if you're in distress. <laughs> it goes into Blue Beetle, which is awesome. That has its own world, and that fits directly into our DCU, which goes into Aquaman, which will then lead into Superman. The other projects that we'll talk about in a moment. These four movies are terrific. There's no reason why any of the characters and the actors playing those characters are not part of the DC, except for Henry Cavill. There's nothing that prohibits that from happening. Once we Did get you hear to- that? That whole thing was, Henry was not fired as Superman. He just wasn't hired. <laughs> that was it's their not me, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Once we get to those first projects that we have, then everything will be consistent going forward. That's right. There could still be sequels to already made DC movies and further appearances by actors as characters who are already established within the continuity. Hence why Jason Momoa was so thrilled after his chat with Gunn. There's no reason why all the people you mentioned couldn't be part of the DC. We just haven't decided what the story that we want to tell that incorporates Shazam or Aquaman. Uh, he 
casually mention Momoa, always saw Aquaman as a trilogy in his mind. As to the rumors of Momoa playing Lobo in the new DC Universe, gun chop that down. We're not going to have an actor play two different roles. That's not going to happen. And yes, a continuation of The Flash is very much a possibility. Is that a, is that a jab? Is that a jab at the MCU? Um, probably not, honestly. <laughs> well, considering he's never really been like an important character that's Rude. been like doubled up, right? <laughs> well, I didn't mean that as a joke. I know. Um, sorry. Yes, a, con- a continuation of the Flash is very much a possibility, even though at star Ezra Miller's erratic, abusive behavior has been so severe that most fear that it could have jeopardized the movie's release. Ezra is completed, completely committed to their recovery, and we are fully supportive of that journey that they're on right now. When the time is right, when they feel like they're ready to have the discussion, we'll all figure out what the best path forward is. But right now, they're completely focused. They are absolutely just... They are, like, this is so funny. They're doing all of this stuff now so that they can try to be in a better state when the movie comes out so that we can so that everybody can be okay with going to see the movie. And they're just going to recast him. He's going to be... A, it's going to be a different Flash. It's going to be one of the other Flashes. It's not going to be him. Probably. Or, sorry, that... I, I think... If you're talking about the Flash character, that person is a man on screen. So okay. like we're, we're, we're cool. I'm saying, but it's not going to be them. Yeah. The act. And right now they are completely focused on their recovery and making enormous progress. Uh, there was no Flash component to the initial DCU story arc that Saffron and Gun laid out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Elseworlds. Even if Flash or Aquaman were to continue, they would likely be relegated to a different universe. Or something that Saffron and Gunn refer to as DC Elseworlds. The DCU can, as we can see it, is a multiverse, but we're going to be focusing on one universe within that multiverse. We'll incorporate some of the actors and characters from that past, but mostly we're going to cast new. Now, if something is not DCU, if it's blatantly adult like Todd Phillips' Joker, or Matt Reeves' Batman, or Teen Titans' Go, those properties we're going to label clearly as DC Elseworlds, just like the comics do. We're going to be very clear. The bar is going to be very high for projects that are going to be outside the DCU, the Elseworlds projects, but every now and again, there'll be something that lives up to that and will make that film or television series. That's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, they actually have a plan and a branding strategy for these movies that exist outside the mainline continuity. There was no real presentation for what Matt Reeves' brilliant The Batman just that Robert Pattinson was playing the character and it took place during his second year of what he referred to as the Gotham Project. Ben Affleck, to most moviegoers, is still the Batman, and he will be again, too, appearing in several more projects before his tenure is through. But so is Pattinson. <laughs> it's a lot. Now, we know that the Batman and 2025's The Joker Part 2, as well as... Oh, sorry. The Batman Part 2, yeah. As well as Todd Phillips' upcoming Joker, Jokey, Joker, fully ado. <laughs> Joker, Jokey. Joker, Jokey, Joker, yeah. Uh, what was it? The, the Jobu Tabaki? Jobu Tabaki. <laughs> Um, will be a part of this DC Elseworlds project. When the first Joker was released, it was meant to be a part of a new line of movies labeled DC Black. That branding never caught on. It's interesting Teen Titans Go! were mentioned. There could be a theatrical sequel to 2018's Teen Titans Go! to the movies. It's also very funny to think that a potential sequel would be a part of the same universe as Joker and the Reeves Pitch Black the Batman. I think that's enough. Yeah. Stuff. Well, that was the last. The other okay. bits here is not super interesting. It's mostly just housekeeping. So, I will see how it goes. It seems like we have a long way to go before we even get the introduction of this new DC. Yeah. Um, and 
I sure hope that whoever's in charge of the cash doesn't pull the plug <laughs> after the results of the movies that are still coming out that are not part of that. Yeah, we're looking at you, Discovery. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, on to far better news. I mean, that wasn't bad news. It's just like, a, I don't really know what to take away until we see the first thing from it. But History of the World Part 2? You dropped oh, yeah. this bomb on me today. <laughs> so I had heard about this uh, several weeks ago, but um, there was a bit more about it recently, and a trailer dropped the other day. So me and Anthony watched it right before we jumped on here. Uh, Hulu has released the first trailer for the upcoming comedy series, History of the World Part 2. The sketch comedy... Say, my immediate reaction seeing that the trailer was something I... Ugh. Okay. I'm just not a fan of Hulu. I think it's a terrible platform. It's not great. And also, I've never watched a Hulu exclusive. Be- no, sorry. I've watched one Hulu exclusive, and that doesn't include FX on Hulu shows. I'm talking about just a Hulu thing. I've watched literally one. Yeah. You never go full Hulu. It got canceled after one season. It was the High Fidelity show. Don't understand that. I have never been even remotely drawn to a Hulu show. It's- Wait, I ended up watching that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Distressing that they canceled it. Um, that being said, the platform itself just physically sucks. And yeah. then I don't have any interest in most of their originals. So but I, they have a tier where you watch ads. Yeah. And that's then the they one have, have a premium tier that has ads. Hmm. So. Seems unwise. Fuck. Yeah, my biggest issue is just that, like, I basically just watch it for anything that I want to watch that's already existed, that just happens Mm -hmm. to exist on it. And because my phone plan comes with a complimentary, I won't say free because I'm I'm paying for it, but a complimentary subscription to the Disney bundle, which is Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to not use it out of spite. Like, (laughs) Um, Well, I am not using it out of spite. I was like watching one show. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this. And then it was like, you have to watch three ads before it starts. And I went, absolutely not. And then I downloaded the show. Yeah, it's just easier for me to throw on the Hulu version of it. But yeah. whatever. Um, anyway. I, I'm, adamant, I'm not paying and watching ads. It's not happening. Yeah. It happened for far too long. You know, remember all that stuff I was saying for all those years about how this is all going to come back to just bumbling again? It's happening. The, the executives yeah. from these companies are literally just coming out and saying, I, I hate everyone. Mm-hmm. Not you, yeah. but everyone else. Not you either, Mike. <laughs> hey, Mike. Not, not you either, Dan. <laughs> uh, what do you got there? Uh, what do I have where? <laughs> what are you drinking? I uh, just had a Modelo here. Oh, all right. This is what I clinked with the, ah, the okay. beer earlier, and I didn't want to pause the show to grab another beer, so I just brought a beer over yeah, ahead of time. Yeah. So I, I muted. You didn't even know I opened it. I didn't. Hulu has released the first trailer for the upcoming comedy series, History of the World Part 2. The, the sketch comedy series will premiere March 6th with two episodes, followed by the release of two episodes daily until the finale on March 9th. It's been 40 years since the release of Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1 film, and in the new series, Brooks has... I am sorry. I needed to pause for a second. Can you break down that episode release again for me? Sure. It will premiere March 6th with two episodes, followed by the release two episodes daily until the finale on March 9th. No, it's a terrible sentence. I didn't write it. Wait, no, but do you realize what that span of time is? <laughs> it's three days. It's four it's... days. Why are they even doing this? <laughs> Just release it. 
They're doing it. <laughs> that made it sound like it's going to be like this season-long experience. It is. Four it's going to be a season-long experience of eight episodes across four days. Four episodes? No. Two and then two. No. Two? It's one plus one plus two plus one. <laughs> it's two episodes March 6th, followed yeah. by the release of two episodes daily until the finale oh, on March 9th. daily. Yes. Two daily. Okay. Two but episodes f- daily. From March 6th through 9th? Yeah, it's 1 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1, not 1 plus okay. 2 plus 1. Got it's it. been 40 years since the release of Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1 film, and oh in the my new Lord. S- series, Brooks has finally brought about a sequel. History of the World Part 2 starts the creator, writer, and narrator. Brooks... Oh, who fucking wrote this? Is this one of those things written by AI? <laughs> That's probably... It's not a variety, I hope not. Is there a name on the top of this? It's probably just John Smith. Charna Flam. That sounds made up. <laughs> you can't say that. It's, I, you're right. I can't. But uh, I read an, I read an article the other day that was written by a person about all these articles being written by AI, and it really yeah. made me angry. So now I'm lashing out in all directions for no reason. The author's name was definitely not AI. <laughs> Charna, I apologize. I salute you with my Medela. Um. Executive produces the he, executive produces the series alongside Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, Ike Barinholtz, David Stassen, Kevin Salter, and Christy Smith. I only know the first three of those six names. In addition to the official trailer, This is the World Part Two has announced additional cast members, including James Adamian, Jason Alexander, Fred Armisen, Tim Bagley, Dan Bacadal, Travis Bennett, Saru Blue, Craig Kakowski. Arturo Castro, Parvesh China, Margaret Cho, Andy Cohen, Andy Daly, Colton Dunn, Ayo Edabiri, Anna Fabrega, Marla Gibbs, Blake Griffin, Mitra Johari, Preston Lacey, Robbie Hoffman, Anna Maria Horsford, Horsford, Brian Husky, Musa Hussein Kreish, Bobby Lee, Mana Masood, Wendy McClendon Covey, Crystal Kung Minkoff, Finesse Mitchell, Natalie Morales, Pam Alver, Dana Ortiz, sorry, Anna Ortiz, Adam Pally, Lennon Parham, Chris Pontius, Rob Riggle, Matt Rogers, Paul Rust, Paul Shear, Andrew Secunda, Jessica St. Clair, Carl Tart, Drew Tarver, Christopher Thornton, James Urbaniak, George Wallace, Michaela Watkins, Wee Man, Kim Whitley, <laughs> Casey Wilson. <laughs> What what was that list that you just read from, and and when was it posted? It's the entire cast. I feel like you did not mention a whole bunch of people that I saw in the trailer. I mentioned a lot of people that I saw in the trailer. Mm. Did you say Taika Waititi? No. Did you say John Knoxville? No. Say David Duchovny? No. <laughs> did you say Seth Rogen? No. Say Zazie Beetz? No. Danny DeVito? So the thing is... Jake Johnson? Based on this article... Jack McBrayer? <laughs> based on this article I'm looking at this now they didn't give the main cast they only gave the additional cast <laughs> cause you just said Johnny Knoxville that just triggered for me Wee Man and Chris Pontius were in this like they're both part of the jackass crew <laughs> and yeah you're right all those other people that you just mentioned were in the trailer but they weren't on this list but there were a lot of famous people in this list cause I remember seeing Fred Armisen in the trailer and he's on this list Right. how bizarre Episode. Uh that it I'm excited. I'll watch it. I, I love History of the World Part One. Um 
they're I love I mean every Mel Brooks thing that I've actually sat and watched I've really enjoyed so I don't <laughs> understand like how involved like is he I I think most of his work is going to be behind the camera sure I hope that he has a part like I hope that he he pops in here and there no he'll definitely be in it but it I think mostly he's going to be like writing and producing it. yeah I feel like they'll probably do like a handoff <laughs> like segment well considering they brought on a bunch of other and some of the people that we that i I write as part of the executive producers and all that they are playing major roles because like wanda sykes was in it ike baronholtz was in it but they were named as executive producers right right yeah this is pretty cool i mean i feel like oh yeah i also saw definitely saw josh gad i saw jack black like there's so many big names that i saw in the trailer yeah they gave us all of the lesser names and none of the main names i'm gonna get the list of the main names maybe just to keep it more exciting like it it actually probably is something to not pay too much attention to who's going to be in it so that as you're watching it you can be like oh my gosh they got this person they got that person like it'll be so fun and like it'll make so much sense right because it's a mel brooks backed thing where it's like anybody anybody who does anything remotely funny today would probably love to work in something that is even remotely like touching Melbourne. Yeah. So that's awesome. I'm, and what is it? You said my release dates again, March 6th through the ninth, two episodes at a time. <laughs> okay. Anthony, let me, let me just help you out with this. Okay. Episodes. So please do. Break it down for me. Episodes one and two will be on March 6th. Followed by episodes three and four, which will be on March seventh. Followed by episodes five and six, which will be on March eighth. Followed by episodes seven and eight, which will be on March ninth. <laughs> okay, all right, two at a time from March sixth to March ninth. Got it. All right, ridiculous. One plus Why? one. Why? Plus two. It's two plus two plus two plus two. It is. Instead of just eight, just do eight now. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't understand. Or do one a week. The weekly thing works. It does. Anyway, moving on. Jedi Survivor was delayed by six weeks. Yes. Who does that help? Um, the QA people. Yeah? Well, I mean, ostensibly. I don't know that it necessarily helps the QA people, because they're going to find things. So, okay, so if it helps the QA people, it's just going to hurt the dev. I mean... They, I mean, they should be done before, like, they should all feel comfortable before releasing the thing. Just... Well, considering how much we've moved at this point to digital versus physical, mm-hmm. they don't have to probably press that many discs. And even if they do, you're just going to have a the, day, the, day I, one, Those discs, they're pressed already. They yeah, one patch. Done. So yep. my guess is they probably already knew it was going to be delayed and we're just waiting until they got to, okay, guys, when you know for sure what we need, that's when we'll announce it. Right. You know? Okay. Hey, that's... Maybe maybe that's considering it's six weeks and not six months. That that's the only thing that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They probably gave themselves a long timeline of this is the amount of time we need. They probably used up two thirds of that budget of time, and we're like, it's not going to be enough. And that's when they announced six additional weeks. Sure. Either way, I'm fine. With, I don't care. Let it like whenever it comes out, I'm okay with it because I am so excited for it. Yeah my my thought on these sorts of delays has always been. As long as it comes out and it's good, I don't care. Right. But now it's the expectation of, I'm going to be mad if it's not good day one. Sure. No, that's true. That is true. I'm kind of with you on that. I will say that six weeks is nice for me because I started playing something, which I'll get into in consumption, that I could probably use that extra six weeks for. Yeah. So, nice. AMC's pulling some horse shit. 
where they want to start <laughs> charging more money for various seats in the theater. Oh, I thought we were talking about AMC, like the network. No, we just, they are horseshit. Well, AMC, that's... see the theater two, is pulling new horseshit. Two things. One, that's why I was confused about the horseshoes. Two, um, <laughs> it's also why when you established that it was horseshit, I was like, oh yeah, what else is new? Like, Surely. What, what new What new horseshit is there now? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, tiered seating ticket prices. That's kind of their... I mean, it's what stadiums have done for like a century. Sure. However, I would argue that there's a significant difference in what you're getting <laughs> in one seat in the stadium versus another. Not for the that most I, part, yeah. You know, like well, the 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 delta versus... is certainly bigger, but like there yeah. is. I guess it, yeah, I guess it depends. They probably I, at the end of the day, it's probably something stupid like fifty cents to like a dollar. Like 50 to me, there's for them that would make a huge there's difference. I say there's an easier, better way to do this. They're just trying to take advantage of hardening their revenue streams so just give an incentive to buy your tickets in advance like say if you buy your ticket more than 24 hours in advance you get 10 percent off the ticket they could even go like they could go 20 percent off concession you, whatever i don't care what the number is but like the the point no, like is to do like something else like right so yeah just yeah well that's what i'm saying is just do the thing if you want to because the whole point of all these businesses at this point is they just want to guarantee a certain amount of that's why everyone's going to subscriptions now is yeah even like fucking like clothes companies and like oh my god it's coffee. so irritating it's like not I, everything I, doesn't I, need to be a fucking subscription i will buy what i want to buy when i want to buy it if you yeah, want to oil a subscription well, and immediately cancel it for most things if you want to offer me perks and loyalty stuff for me to sign up additionally if that's what i want great otherwise if i just want to buy a thing from you leave me alone that's what i'm gonna do right. offer me one time do you want to join up no i don't want to join up Great, move on. I don't need a subscription to, I because I bought one pair of shoes. I need a subscription to shoes. No, I will buy another pair of shoes when I need another pair of shoes. I don't I need you to give me a subscription of coffee or tea or whatever. I will buy the coffee or tea when I want to buy the coffee or tea. I bought batteries and it was fifty percent fifty percent cheaper to subscribe for batteries. For battery, I don't know how often I'm going to need them. I literally am buying them because some of the remotes have batteries in them, and that's all. I need. just need some extra batteries, so I bought it. I subscribed because it was 50% cheaper and they arrived and I canceled the subscription. And it's just like, you just gave me a chore to do. Yeah. Ugh, and so, so, so that's my point with, with all this is if you want to guarantee a certain stream of revenue so that you can predict it and it's for let's why credit ratings and, and investors and wall street and all that shit. Like I understand that having a steady cash flow that you don't have this rise and fall, but, between February and January versus July and all that stuff. I get it. Really, I do. Mm -hmm. You don't need to do this. or This is going to chase people away. And like last year was the first time that like movie tickets went up for the past like five years. A, like, and uh, to be fair, there was a pandemic for two plus years in the middle of that. But still, they were going down before that. You're going to chase people away that you just lured back in with like, just focus on getting fucking good movies up on the screen. How about that? Focus on putting movies up on the screen that people are going to go watch to go see. And then, if you want to, again, they had their whatever stubs or whatever the fuck it is that was like, you know, yeah, buy 10 tickets and we give you a popcorn or whatever. Great. That's cool. Do that. If people want to sign up for that, awesome. If they don't, okay. That's cool, too. People don't all go to the movies as often as everyone else. That's fine. If you want to guarantee that people are going to fill up your, your theaters so that you're going to run a screening that people are actually going to watch. You give an incentive to buy the tickets early, 
They know that they have a reason to buy early. You know you're going to get a certain amount of cash flow early. And then you go full price on the ticket the day of. Great. I don't think anyone would object to that. People are going to object to this system. It doesn't make sense. Even if it's only a dollar more or 50 cents more, whatever. It doesn't make sense. Nope. It's just stupid. I subscribe to Cinemark Movie Club. That's what this is called. It's $10 a month. I get a ticket a month and I get 20% off concessions and I get second tickets for $10. Great. It's great. It's wonderful. And all tickets roll over. And if, so. you don't go, if you don't go to a movie once or twice a month, that's not for you. And that's okay, too. But right. you might decide, oh, wow, Avatar is still in the theater. I never got around to it because I'm not really a day one moving person. I'd like to go see that this Saturday. If you buy your ticket on Tuesday, great. You got $2 off the ticket. And they know for a fact cool. someone's going to be there on the Saturday matinee. You know what? We shouldn't pull it this week. We'll let it run one more week because people are still coming this Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> You're just a. D- I think it's time for consumption. That right? That was all of our news and nuggets. Mm-hmm. Al, what do you consume? I said with Mandela. Uh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, we got a few things here. Um, well, I'll let you pick. Do you want something quick for me or something longer? <sighs> we gotta. I think we gotta move. So make the long one short, and then we'll go quick. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll go with a quick one. Do you have your phone on you? Yeah. I'm going to send you a picture real quick before okay. we get into this. My phone is currently open to a delivery notification of something I consumed earlier today, which was a delicious lemon rice plate from the Halal restaurant. Anthony, are you familiar with the most Oreo? No. <laughs> I, didn't get what, I didn't get it yet. Did you send it? Oh, I sent what it. What is this? It's sent. <laughs> it's the most Oreo, Anthony. No, I don't like, I don't <laughs> like the phrase cookies and cream flavor cream. Well, it's because if you notice on the picture of the most Oreo, the cream isn't pure white like it normally is. They crumbled up the cookies themselves and infused that into the cream, which is significantly more stuffed than the double stuffed Oreo. It is the most Oreo. It's so much Oreo, (laughs) you wouldn't even believe how much Oreo there is. Do you have one, Andy? I sent you a picture of the package that was sitting on my countertop. That's great. That doesn't give me an actual... I need like to see with the Oreo in action. This is a blown-up picture of the Oreo. It is, but it's pretty true to scale. It's a lot of Oreo. It's the most Oreo, actually. Yeah. What is it? It's a, it's a, it's a three-cream-to-two-cookie ratio there, right? Um, it looks like it's about one-to-one. Like, with two cookies, looks to be about equal to the amount of cream. There, is, like oh, there might be an extra cream... There might be. Um, I sorry. I'm just noticing now on the package it says "scan to dunk into the Oreoverse." Yeah, make me do this, all right? On the QR code. <laughs> um, I I don't want to derail the show that much to go upstairs to get a cookie to put on this shitty camera for you. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but I don't know. Maybe who knows? In a month, I'll just bring you one or something. All right. But sounds good. It's pretty delicious. I'm gonna eat it. I haven't. An, I I I think it's safe to say that I haven't had an Oreo in ten plus years. Oh, it's not been that long for me, but it had certainly been over a calendar year since I had had an Oreo until yesterday when I had the most Oreo. I like Oreos. Oreos are solid. Wait a minute. No, I did have an Oreo. I had an Oreo. But you know what? What are you, like, what are you really doing if you're having a regular Oreo? It's, it's double stuff at the minimum. You need a double stuffed or you need a flavored one. No, I don't know about flavored. That sounds... Well, it depends on the flavor. But, uh, okay. The, the most stuffed. The most Oreo. The most Oreo. 
The most Oreo. That's fascinating. You've, so you've been consuming those? Uh, well, I, I put a limit of one a month because it's the most. But, uh... <laughs> no, I, I actually I had two, I had two last night when I opened the package. <laughs> nice. nice. Did you uh, did you consume SNL? No, I just consumed that one sketch that I referenced to you. So the sketch that Al is referring to, I'm sure at this point you've all heard of or seen is the uh, HBO's gritty series on adaptation of Mario Kart yes. starring Pedro it, Pascal. Inspired by The Last of Super Us. Mario, uh, which was excellent. It was, an, it was an excellent skit. Yes. Very funny. Yes. Very, very much understood. Yes. <laughs> right. Weir- weirdly high production value for an SMS. Very high production. Um, that was good. The whole episode was fantastic. Oh, damn. Now you're he me was now. in all of the skits. Oh, so that's a good all hosting, then. I had seen a few weeks ago that he was going to be on, and I totally forgot. Usually when I see ahead of time that someone I like is on, I will re- record the episode and I'll get to it. I totally forgot he was going to be on, and then Sunday morning, like, basically the first thing when I woke up, I saw that sketch online. I was like, fuck, I can't believe I missed that. So I'll have to dig it up and watch it at some point. There is one skit where he is, he was in an accident and wakes up in a coma, doesn't remember anybody, and has a, like, Valley Girl California accent. (laughs) (laughs) Which, so, which was very apparent in that skit, uh, everybody was trying really hard not to laugh at him, because he was, (laughs) he was owning it. So that's what that, that's what SNL should be, though. I, yes. I there's been a couple of times, even in recent years, where oh, I really want to see that person, and then I watch it, and they're in like three sketches. Like, well, why do they yeah. even fucking host that? Then there is the final skit when nobody, nobody can keep it together because it's so funny and so ridiculous. And once once it cracks, <laughs> like. Nobody can contain themselves, and they're all trying so hard to get through it, but it's too—it's just too funny, <laughs> and and it's—I I laughed so hard during that. Just to set the stage for you, they're in a restaurant. Uh, I'm not even going to say the the main part of the story is what's funny, like of what the actors get is, but there is a practical gag in the story mm-hmm. where somebody is under the table shaking it aggressively, <laughs> and they're trying to like keep stuff on the table and prevent things from spilling when they're they're not it's not working <laughs> oh it's so good he he cracked me up he was so funny and uh, it's absolutely worth watching uh, man Pedro Pascal is killing it <laughs> yes he's having a moment for, for real sorry that just reminded me of I was listening the last couple of days this is obviously Super Bowl week and mm. like all the big radio and TV shows involved with the NFL, um, all go to the host city, and they have at some convention center. All the shows like trade around guests, and they go on each other's shows, even though they may be on competing networks and all that stuff. And the Levitard show sent a contingent of their people, and who was late, who they didn't build the table yet. It's just classic for them. They the, his Dan's. Thing about the show for the years now has been that they're the marching band to nowhere. They have these like <laughs> grand ideas and they 
organize all this stuff and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And then nothing ever gets accomplished. And it's just, it ends up being, it's, it's like one of those age old questions of, is it a feature or is it a bug? And so they're like, okay, so this guy hasn't like, isn't there yet. They're building the table. They're having trouble putting together the table and equipment. Because this is just going to end up with like, they're going to be standing in some awkward corners. Like, no, 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 it's fine. We'll just have Danny. Who's a relatively new guy hired for like their video team. He's a big guy. They're like, we'll just have him on his hands and knees and we'll drape a tablecloth and get across him. (laughs) (laughs) They're talking about like, oh, what are we going to do when like this big, like Chris Mad Dog Russo, he's, well, you probably know about him, right? Because he used to be on New York, like sports radio. Like I know you weren't like a big consumer of that, but he was a huge deal at the time when you were living in the city on like New York radio station where he's one of like the big voices of like sports radio. They're like, okay. what are you, what are you going to do when Chris Mad Dog Russo comes over to do a hit with you and you ask him to sit at the Danny, uh, <laughs> this, this video, of this guy sitting on his hands and knees without a tablecloth, just him on his hands and knees and two people with a chair sitting in front of him and they're inviting someone to come talk to him. I like it. You're talking about someone hiding under the table shaking it just reminded me of them talking about that the last two days because they did it more than once. <laughs> oh, man. So stupid. Uh, something we've we've both consumed, I believe, is The Banshees of Inisharan, which we won't... I started to. watching it last night. I saw, like, the okay. first half. Good, good. I'm glad. I, uh, we're probably... We'll probably... I'm not going to make any promises because this show is just, you know, what happens, happens. Uh, but we we too we are sometimes a marching band to know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will give you another consumption. It'll be another yeah. quick, another quick one. Uh, it'll be what I consumed this evening, mm. and it was a Reuben panini, which I just nice. adore. I adore yeah. Reuben. It was so good, so tasty. An unexpected dinner at the diner for some reason. It was very okay. uh, very odd. Doesn't bear getting into, but what does bear getting into? Was me tearing into that delicious Ruben panini, which oh. I which I did heartily. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do I do like a Ruben. I'm very full. I um okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off four things that I watched. These are the last things that I have on my list of things that I watched. So I'm gonna go through all four of them. Ready? Okay. It started off with well, we watched the Banshees of Inisherin, and then I was like, oh, okay, okay, we needed something. We needed something. To change the tone. Val Cleanser? Going to bed. Yep. So we watched an episode of that 90s show. Okay. And then subsequently watched the rest of that 90s show. Oh, okay. Uh, silly? You're not, you know, it's not highbrow humor. Like, it's it's just nonsense. It's very silly. It's nostalgic for folks who have watched that 70s show. There's a couple of good uh, bring the character back type of things that they do. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy those types of things. So that 90 show was a plus that led us into using that 70 show as a palate cleanser for the next thing that we watched, which was we had, we were on this run. I think it was three nights in a row. We would watch a handful of episodes of this. And then we would watch an episode of that 70 show before going to bed, reading and going to sleep. Uh, so that 70 show on the list, but Dr. Death. Now hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, <laughs> with Christopher Dunch's work. With Christopher uh, who? Christopher Dunch. He is Dr. Death. I don't know. This is the doctor who has just brutally maimed people and killed people in the operating room um, because, uh, I don't know, he's a psychopath and 
This is a real person, or this is a real person. Oh, so like there was a there was a podcast that popularized the story to the masses. You know that does sound vaguely familiar now that you mentioned. And then there was an NBC drama, like dramatization of the story. Um, really, really well done. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Uh, 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 why can't I think of? Oh my God! Why am I trying to blank on Ethan Hawke? No, oh. no, 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 no. Christian Slater. I thought oh. I just broke an arrow to this thing. Uh, Christian Slater, <laughs> uh, uh, Alec Baldwin. Um, now I'm drawing a blank on who played, who actually played Doctor Death. He was in Dawson's Creek. Uh, James, James Vanderpeek. No, no, the other one. Sorry, that's the only name. Joshua Jackson. So that was the only name I could pull out of that. Uh, it's it just like it was so compelling. Like I was like, man, I know where this is going, and I am so hooked by this just absolutely bonkers story. And it's just terrible. Like it's it's a it's a commentary on some like the really just horrific practices. Like like that got let it go. This I mean, this man he killed multiple people, and he like damaged the life of many many others like of the 30 surgeries it sounded like he like maybe had there may have been like a successful one <clears throat> like and to be able to go that far like i was just i was appalled and like that was kind of the point they were making it was like it should like and like the case the defense case against him was well sure but it really is about the system and his training and i'm like yeah you're not wrong but let's put you in jail and then deal with that. <laughs> or a bare minimum, like, take his license? Sure. <laughs> sure. But anyway. Like, Even if you yeah. wanted to argue that he, like, wasn't intentionally doing it or even negligently doing anything, like, I'm sorry, sir. We're not going to let you do this anymore. Right. Right. Well, they did the whole docuseries thing at the end where they, like, you know, do the clips of people walking and doing going about their activities with a little blurb about like where they are today type of thing and uh it ends with a very eerie this will happen again jeez and and i'm like yeah based off everything you've told me i do not disagree (laughs) (laughs) it was just it was oh it was terrifying um but it was good it was it was like i said production quality just top notch super captivating Great performances. Um, worth a watch. Worth a watch. Uh, and then the last bit, the last piece that we're watching is after that was over, we were looking for another thing to start. Um, Killing Eve, we know, has won a bunch of awards in the past. We we're like, that, let's throw that, an episode on. That's something that's on my list. I'm not sure when I'll ever get to it, but. Probably the best pilot episode of television I've seen in a while. Well, I've heard that the first season is beyond incredible and that there is different levels of enjoyment of the rest of the show but mm. i would say kind of probably the closest analogy and this is purely based on what i've heard is homeland where like dynamite incredible first season mm. oh and, i see what you're saying. and then it's everything else is to your taste basically gotcha yeah i i will say I, the thing that, that blew me away we were halfway through the episode and i paused it to talk to kim and i was like i don't understand like this is really good like i'm not I don't feel like the ride is bumpy at all. I feel like I'm already invested. I already know who these characters are. I know what they're doing. I want to know more about them. What, like, what is this? 
why is this pilot so good versus like the other first episodes of things? Well, for one, I think at this point we could probably say pretty definitively like Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a really good writer. Mm. So like that's part of it. Okay. Also, she yeah. le- she left after like the first or second season. Like she created it, wrote it, and then like didn't stick around for the whole show. I guess maybe 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 that's what I mean. It it, it could it it could purely come down to talent, but there's got there is something right. There's something too. There's the ones that work, and there's the ones that don't. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say to argue with that theory is like there's a lot of other shows written by incredible writers whose pilots aren't good. Right. So what's the deal? What is how do you do it? I can't I can't tell you what it is about the episode that makes it feel like I know what the, like that. I that oh, I watch this show. It's not like a I'm well, introducing myself to it. We'll have I to watch, revisit the show I watch. We'll have to revisit this conversation when I finally get around to starting. it. OK, cool. Anyway, I'm excited to continue on with that. We've only watched one episode so far, but I was like, what is going on? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> So, what else are you consuming? Uh, well, in that vein, I will do a quick touch of uh, cruise through another good chunk of episodes of For All Mankind since we last spoke. Huh? Finished season one. Have watched the first three or four episodes of season two. Still very much enjoying. It's very cool to see as time progresses now. And we've made it past like the beginning of the show started in July of 1969. And now we're in the mid '80s, and okay. seeing some of the technologies that were definitely beyond what was available to us at that time. But now, also seeing like the co-opting and like differentiation of technologies that we knew existed at that time, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a now cool. a parallel timeline has been created, and the, those things keep getting further and further away. And there's a montage early on in the season showing. Like, as they passed through a jump of time, because they went from, like, the mid-late 70s to now, like I said, the mid-80s. And um, seeing a bunch of stuff that happened in real life that changed. Like, for instance, I don't think, I don't think this will be a spoiler, because it's they just had it as a throwaway part of a montage. But, like, considering the first premise was that, like, Russia won the space race initially, and it spurred on that the space race would never end, right? That these two countries would keep going after it and redoubling their efforts and redoubling efforts. Um, but Nixon loses the election to Ted Kennedy in the 60s because mm-hmm. Ted Kennedy never goes to Chappaquiddick and there's never that whole issue with the woman dying in his car, mm-hmm. questionably, and all that. So... That's allegedly. Yeah. You know, definitely um, died. <laughs> no, no, she definitely died. <laughs> so anyway, uh in in this branched timeline as things get further and further away now, um, one of the things that was part of this time jump montage was John Lennon survived an assassination attempt, but Pope Francis was successfully assassinated. Which obviously in real life was the inversion of those two things. No, not, not Pope Francis. Pope John oh. Paul. Sorry. Okay. Wrong Pope. Wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, um, obviously in the 80s, those two things happened the other way around. So seeing those two things, like, you know, as we've now seen the butterfly. The revolving door was made out of Pope Mobile glass. Pope Mobile was made out of regular glass. Just like. Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but anyway, that's it, seemingly to this point, just a totally throwaway thing. But just to watch this branch timeline is okay. Like these things that 
were probably seminal moments in time and history are changing. Mm-hmm. What now? What will those things spawn off? In addition to the sure. fact that the main storyline is followed with the nineteen eighty four Russia and the U.S. both have fully functioning and livable bases on the moon. There's never been anyone who's lived on the moon for more than like three days in real mm-hmm. life. They have people going on like a deployment there for months at a time, the way they do to the International Space Station. Obviously, we can see how that acceleration of that timeline will change so many other things. Right. Like It's part of why I found this show to be so fascinating. That's so pretty cool. cool. So. Do they touch on, like, do they make it obvious the things that are changing? Or is it just like, not, like you know, you're paying attention to knowledge of, of actual history? Well, like I said, some of the things are kind of background things. Like, for instance, like I said, it was just kind of a time jump montage involving the, those assassination things. But a lot of the other things, I mean... You would have to know, I would assume, yeah. that Ted Kennedy was never the president. Mm. What you may not have known. What? Well, I knew why he fell into scandal. What I didn't know was that was literally the same weekend as Apollo 13. Or Apollo wow. 11, sorry. I had no idea that those were the same couple of days. So wow. in the show, when we lose the space race by a couple of days... Apparently, Ted Kennedy was one of the people who was on some committee who was leading investigations into NASA as to why we were spending so much money on that. And so when Apollo 11 fails, their mission was to be the first on the moon. They failed because Russia did it like three days earlier. So he never goes for his long weekend at Chappaquiddick. Gotcha. That woman never dies. Nixon has egg on his face, still gets thrown out uh, out of the White House for having cheated in the election, Ted Kennedy becomes the next president instead of, um, you know, Nixon leading into to Carter leading into Reagan. But right. eventually while the Carter presidency gets wiped out entirely, Ronald Reagan still ends up becoming president after that. Huh. So Interesting. some things change irrevocably, but some things stay the same. Cool. I kind of want to watch this. It's, it's a really good show, or at least I'll say it's a really entertaining show. I, I think it's a good show. There's, a couple of things that are a little campy or a little melodramatic, but there's also some times where they really, I mean, we're talking about it in the, the second and last word on The Last of Us. A lot of people got very emotional last week's episode. I teared up a bit during an episode of this that I was watching this week of For All Mankind. There was a, a legitimately really affecting scene that I just didn't see coming in this show. Not to say that it wasn't a good, well-written, well-acted show, but it was like, a sequence that they really stuck with for a long period of time that I was like, holy shit, I did not quite see coming in this show. So. Mm. Cool. All right. What else? Keep it coming. Um, an even quicker note on, I have now embarked on the final book of the foundation series, foundation and earth. Cool. Um, I regret that they are back to the guy who read the second book, who I was not a big fan of. <laughs> Not that I was a big fan of the guy who read the whole rest of the other the rest of the series, but I liked him better than this one. Uh, but other than that, um, I'm a little concerned with what they've embarked on in the final book. Now it's the longest of the books, so they have a lot of time to try and unveil all this. But early on, I was a little concerned with the direction they're going. I was like, I feel like we need to get to a conclusion, and I'm a little worried we're going to go on a wild goose chase on something that's not going to. But mm-hmm. the rest of the series has been very well written, and I've enjoyed it so. I am very, very barely skeptical of it, but I, uh, I've really enjoyed my reading so far, and I'm, I'm definitely. In, in, I, I mean, I've, like I said, I've only gotten a handful of chapters in, and there's a lot of book left, but uh, cool. nearing completion of the series. Nice. 
So I have one last consumption thing. Are you good on yours? I've got two more. Okay. Why don't, you, why don't we get one of yours then? All right. Um, mine go hand in hand. Okay. They're uh, they're games. Been okay. Consuming a little bit of games lately. So first one on the list, Vampire Survivor. Hmm. And I had heard about it. Didn't give it any thought or attention. Never saw what it looked like. Never saw what the gameplay was. Just heard about it in podcasts. Um, one of my buddies at work was like, you should check it out. It is as good and addicting as the people were saying, because he also listens to the same podcast. So I was like, okay, cool. It's on Game Pass. So I was like, why not? So I downloaded it and I was playing Halo with some friends and then they've got offline. So I was like, oh, let me go on. And I, I roped another one of my buddies in. So they downloaded it. We jumped on a game chat and we, like, it's not a multiplayer game, but we were just playing it at the same time. And it's a roguelike game. So you are, you basically, you're playing runs, you're building up a little bit. And then when you die, that's it. And you have some cash that you could carry over that you could then use to buy some stuff for the next run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so on and so forth. So it's a really interesting game mechanic. So it is a, um, it's a 2D game. It's like a, it looks like a like eight bit, sixteen bit, like style, like artsy wise. Probably sixteen bit, um, either that or like really well done eight. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you're you're moving your character. So the first character you saw, there's four characters that they show you at the beginning. There's only one that's unlocked. So you start as that character, and all you do in this game, at least from what I can tell, uh, from what I, from the few hours that I've pumped into it, is you just move the character around. You don't tell the character to attack you don't have to hit any other buttons you're literally just moving around and the character is doing something so this character starts off with a whip he whips out to the right every so often there's like a, it's like it's timed you can start to figure out the pattern how like when he's going to whip out to the right that whip attacks enemies enemies are coming in swarms from all over the place so you basically need to maneuver the character in position so that when he whips out to the right, he will hit those people. And ultimately you're trying to just avoid getting killed. Mm-hmm. So the, so why aren't you just running away? You hit these characters. You, you try to kill things because they drop these gems. You pick up the gems they gain you experience as you gain experience. Every time you hit a level, you get to add something to your character. So for a while there, the thing that I would add is like, if it popped up was whip level two, which allows him to also whip to the left. Ah. So he'll do whip right, whip left. And now you're playing with that timing too, right? Then the third then, level is stir. <laughs> yes. The, the third level, uh, so and, and it's all random too. So like you might not even get that second whip for a while if like if that's what you're going for. You just have to play the game and decide which thing makes the most sense for you to grab. Then I'll get one that's like uh, it's basically a Bible and the Bible circles you and as it's circling you, it hits the things in its orbit, and then it disappears for a little while. Okay. And then it happens again. It disappears for a little while, and it happens. So you're, like, adding on these layers of attack slash defense, and then there's, like, augments that'll be like, okay, it increases the area of attack, so maybe the Bible sprays out a little bit further. Or it's Bible level two. Now there's two Bibles. It's uh, Fireball, which will throw three, will throw a fireball in a random direction every so often. Mm-hmm. And you start to build out your character as you level up and try to pick the best thing that's going to help you survive the space and also get more gems so that you could level up and get more gold so that you could spend the gold to give yourself stuff to start with. 
And it's just like, it's really fun and like really addicting to like, okay, it's like, okay, just one, just one more run, like <laughs> one more, like, well, and I, I did that for like, like two and a half hours Jeez. and it was just, it was so much fun. Um, so that was great. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm going to be playing this game a few times this week. And then my buddy was like, well, I just pre-ordered Hogwarts Legacy because you get it three days in advance if you pre-order it or four days in advance. And I was like, huh. <laughs> it's like, it's available at midnight, which was midnight Tuesday into Wednesday. So Wednesday, no, sorry, Monday into Tuesday. So Tuesday, I realized I ended up having some free time. So I was like, oh, you know what? I've been really curious about this game. I'm just going to pre-order it so that I can play it today. I am really it is so fun so far like the story is you know wizarding world style good the places you remember the locations are fantastic the the ambiance is incredible the music is so good the characters are compelling the mechanics are fun so far like it is like you know you're making you're making uh like conversational decisions along the way and then like there's like tons of side quests. There's so much to do and there's so much like cosmetic stuff. It, it, it actually took me like an hour to even get into the game because I was like, you know, fuss with the settings, create your character, connect it with your Harry Potter wizarding world fan account. Do that. And then I got roped into the stupid thing on the phone that was like, okay, now <laughs> answer all these questions and we'll sort you into your house and then do all this stuff. And we'll tell you what wand you are. And then it took that information and it piped that into my character into the game, which was pretty cool. And it's like all it like it would choose those things from those decisions like for me immediately, and then give me the option to be like, but if you really want, you could like you know you're in Ravenclaw, but if you really want, you could pick something else. The first like, time I ever no. saw that mechanic was in Dragon Age Inquisition, where mm. the first two games were on Xbox 360, and then that game came out on Xbox One. So. Bioware slash EA created a website where you weren't going to port directly your saves from those, but basically you just picked all of the core things. And there was a lot of them. Like yeah, the, the permutations were pretty almost endless. Like we're talking about like 50 levels of different things. So you, as best you can recall, like pick over all the things from all that stuff, saved it. And then you could upload that into the server and then Inquisition started the world from that point. So it was the best facsimile I've ever seen of a generation to generation port. Yeah. And it's, I'm, well, they must have taken that sort of technology for this, you know? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, and it was, it was seamless. I was like, cause I feel like these things are usually clunky. It's like loading, try again, blah, blah, blah. But like, no, like this worked, like everything was just do the thing. Cool. And it updated on the screen. I was like, all right, damn. Like to the point where I was like, I wonder how many of the, I, I wonder if it's going to pick these things. So like I got to the sorting ceremony and put the hat on my head and it's like, it was telling me a little bit about myself. And I was like, okay, these sound like similar things to what I had answered in the, in the quiz. And I was like, you answer, you answered two more questions. And then ultimately he sorted me in Ravenclaw. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm assuming like, granted, I doubt, I doubt they would have just made that up with the two questions it asked me. So I'm guessing it, it really, it was pulling that from, all that work I had done up front. So I was like, yeah, let's go. And then the next thing was finally, like eventually got to Hogsmeade. I went to, um, and all of Anders there and I was going to get my wand and it was like, you know, there's a whole thing that here's one, one waved around 
not quite right. Another one wave it around, not quite right. Oh, maybe this one. And the way they do it is like they're like they open it up like to the character, and then you go into your wand editor where you would pick those things, but pre-selected were the ones that were selected for me from this thing. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> like I was like, and I was like, I'm not toying with this. I am using the one that it selected. <laughs> the only thing that it didn't do is, which I would have appreciated, is if they had some sort of name generator. Okay. Um, because I had to seek my own name generator out. So my character is Aiden Clearwater, and he's Ravenclaw, and he has a 10-inch unbending wand with a phoenix coin. Hey, now. So, that's Anyway, I'm hooked. It's so much fun. So is it good? Because I know they made some tie-in games like earlier on in the run of the movies. We're talking like 20 years ago. And from what I understand, they just weren't very good. Mm-hmm. And to me, this always seemed like if you got a legitimate studio to make an actual like AAA type of Harry Potter game, and you devoted the actual resources to trying to make it like an actual RPG type of game, there is a real opportunity there. I've just always been skeptical because they always seem to half-ass it. Yeah. So, so far, does it look like they've given that sort of devotion of resources? Because if that's the case, yeah. I might actually be willing to yeah. check this out. Yeah, they, they have. So at least from, from what I can tell, story-wise so far, like I've heard like that there's plot holes and stuff, but I didn't, haven't gotten into that yet. Like story-wise so far, I'm into it. I like where it's going. I like the uniqueness of it and like the implications of the of like the character. So to the plot basically, you're starting Hogwarts as a fifth year. Weird. Uh, and we're gonna. It seems like we're gonna get a little bit. There's a little bit of like mis like mystery around that. You find out that you're pretty adept at wielding magic, and you're also pretty adept at, or you, you find that you have these special abilities that are not very clear to certain people. And we're trying to figure that piece of it out too. Anyway, I'm not going to get too much into that because that's part of the main storyline. But uh, otherwise it very much feels like Harry Potter. Like I'm like, it's very engrossing. Like you're just like, okay, I'm, I am in it. Like this is, this is playing Harry Potter. This is, this is me walking around Hogwarts. Like it's really cool in that aspect. Visually. I think it actually looks really good. There was a lot of, um, from what I had seen early on, there was like complaints about the visuals. And now I don't know if when I downloaded the game, there was an extra add on that was like the high quality texture pack. So I'm wondering if like maybe the reviewers didn't have that. Okay. Because it looks fine to me. I mean, it plays fine. Like it's smooth. Something it of an addendum to that whole story from earlier. talking about like survivor being delayed yesterday. IGN's preview series launch because that was timed to the release, the original release of the game. Mm. Even though, so basically they're like, we have this whole this content locked and loaded for this week. So there's a nine minute gameplay sequence. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet because I just haven't had time. But that's already out there. Like their whole thing is locked and loaded, so it's entirely possible that they did a big patch that cleaned up that stuff that the reviewers mm. didn't have access to. Yeah, I, I, and I think they may have because it, it, it looks fine to me. Like there's, I mean, granted, I've run into a couple of visual glitches. Like I've run into a bit of pop in here and there. There's this one interesting thing with a mirror in my, in my dorm where if you go up to it, it's so clearly reflecting the back of my character when I'm looking straight at it. <laughs> um, and then when you turn around, it's the front of my character. So like That's there's, like, it's, that weird. is buggy. 
right? Wasn't that, wasn't but that, wasn't that basically the plot of Free Guy? <laughs> <laughs> so that that aspect of it is, is buggy, wait. Can you like, go through that mirror? <laughs> I mean, it's a magical school. No, you do. You, you I might have to throw some Revelio on that and see what I get. Um, but that's also cool. You run around the you're running around the castle or Hogsmeade or wherever you are, you'll see something that like almost looks like something was there, but then you won't see it again. And you're like, ooh. And you'll cast Revelio and like you'll see more detail about it. And like you'll get like a field guide pick. It's just there's so much stuff to collect and do, and there's already an interesting story going on. I the character is great. Like I just I'm all in. It's so much fun. And the and the the actual combat mechanics are very like, you know, it's kind of it's kind of Jedi Fallen Order where, you know, attack, dodge, parry. But there's different color shields and you need to use a corresponding color spell to break the bubble before you actually attack. Otherwise, you're not really going to be doing any damage. So you have okay. to like coordinate your your hot slots for your spells to match that bubble. Like there's there's some fun mechanics to it. And there's like counters. That's kind of it's kind of similar to where the progression of combat goes in the Guardians of the Galaxy. As you yeah. like, get the elements for the gun, there's different enemies that have weaknesses to that where you either have to shoot them for 45 straight seconds to get the shield to break, or if you use the proper setting of the gun, you strip it in right. two seconds. Right. So you'll you'll be familiar with that aspect of it then. It but it's I don't know. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I'm excited to see where the story goes. I'm excited to get back into it. I just like want to do all of the thing. It'd be funny if that mirror really was a glitch, but part of the patch was that if you use Revelio, it just fixes the mirror. Oh my god. I do have I do have Repairo right now, so maybe I can repair it. Nice. So it is cool too. There's broken things, you can just be like, fix that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's awesome. I went to a couple classes. I went to a charms class. I went to a defense against dark arts class. Met some people. I was invited to a to an underground student dueling ring. Nice. So, <laughs> wait, is there a fail state in this game where like you get caught and you get expelled? I don't know. <laughs> it's just a game over, and it's like fuck. <laughs> we'll see. But it's really fun. Now, do they indicate? Like, at what stage of, like, the timeline this is supposed to be a part of? Is it canon? Is it not canon? I have no idea. Um, I do know that there's there's last names popping around that I recognize. Okay. Well, that's what I'm wondering. is like, do you recognize any of the professors? Is this supposed to happen, like, before Harry went to school? After Harry went to school? During? No, I meant to, I meant to look it up. I think, ultimately, like, it doesn't matter in the context of what I'm doing. But the headmaster's last name is Black. And the... Hmm. Profe- like the the assistant fight like basically like the ap uh the mcgonagall type is a weasley so i assumed it was later but i could be wrong um my assumption is it would be earlier than earlier maybe that that makes sense we well just because um there was a headmaster who was a black like, oh, okay up the family tree do you know the name i don't remember the name now i didn't think there was ever a weasley of note like that because i thought that was the whole point is that they were like never of note but Mm. um there wouldn't be any more blacks based on like regulus and sirius ended the line i think when they died 1890s is when it's set. yeah okay that makes sense then players take control of a new hogwarts student as the player yeah okay 18 there you go there's our answer that makes sense 
Okay, I just wanted a frame of reference. That's interesting. Early on in the game, you get to go to Gringotts. It's pretty cool. Okay. All right, I might have to check this out then. I've been vaguely curious about it, but I hadn't heard too, too much yet. I'd heard little dribs and drabs of stuff about it. I I find myself uh, selecting all of the options for conversation just because, like, I feel like the voice acting is good. I'm curious to see how, like, relationship building works. And What's the... I, that's how I always like to do RPGs, is if there's, like, the questioning path of, like, you know, you keep asking stuff to get more... Like, especially the first time through playing a game, like, mm-hmm. like wouldn't you want to experience all that? I don't know. Yeah. I just like the, the whole after, like, after you go through that, like, and you end the conversation, the person's like, hey, thanks for, thanks for talking to me about all of that stuff. <laughs> oh, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, what are you, uh, what's your last bit of consumption? All right. So, this would have had a little bit more kind of, like, heft to it if we did it last week, just because it had been fresher. But so, not this past weekend, the weekend before. Friday night, <laughs> went out. A little bit with uh, Dominic and one of his friends. We went to a, they have kind of like an arcade type of bar. It's like part bar, part axe throwing, part arcade. It's a good time. Yeah. So I slept in a little Saturday because I was up a little bit late. Hadn't really slept great during the course of the week. Got up to a late start, had a, like a brunch. I had Saturday all to myself. I was like, you know what? This is a solid recharge day. My parents were going to a wedding. My dad was actually officiating a wedding. Cool. Um, so he asked me to run a quick errand for him. He's like, hey, listen, can you just run out and get a couple of chilled bottles of champagne? Because I want to make it as part of our gift to a couple of the person he was officiating with works for him. He's from Japan. He's a an expat who eventually would like to become an American citizen. He's marrying someone he met here in America. Cool. So anyway, my sister was going out with her friends and she was going to be out all day. So I was like, oh, okay. I basically have the whole day. It's just me and the dogs. Got to make sure I feed them for dinner or whatever. It's Noon, sitting down. It's like, might take a nap at some point down the line. See what's on TV. Because we just had the TV on in the background while we were at breakfast. Anthony, have you ever heard of these Star Wars? <laughs> so I was sitting there flipping through the guide just to see what's on TV before I decided. Star Wars. I was just trying to see if there was anything interesting on before I decided to put something on. And I was like, oh. The Force Awakens starts in 90 seconds. I'll throw that on and maybe I'll put something on that at some point. And I realized I hadn't actually sat down to watch a Star Wars movie mm. in like a while. Like I've caught bits of it on TV just flipping around or sure. here's half an hour while I'm finishing breakfast or here's 15 minutes of it at halftime of a football game or putting it on in the background while I'm folding laundry or something. I hadn't sat down to watch a Star Wars movie in a while. So what this spawned was I I had all of Saturday to myself, but didn't plan on doing anything or going anywhere. And so I watched episodes 7, 8, and 9. Wow. Back to back. I hadn't done that in a long time. Yeah. I realized I missed Star Wars a lot. Yeah. It's always kind of sort of been As there. As you're talking about it, I kind of just want to go inside right now and sit down and throw one of them on. Right? Like, we watch the shows. Me a little more than you, obviously, because I've watched some of the animated stuff. But, you know, we've had Boba Fett, and we've had Mandalorian, we've had Andor. That's been great. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had a Star Wars movie in four years, three years, yeah. whatever. And that's okay. We figured there'd yeah. be a gap. And the pandemic certainly extends that. and. 
the weird fuckery of you children who can't just deal with your emotions if you didn't like the movie very much. It's okay. It can be okay to just not like the thing. Mm-hmm. I do, at a certain point, I, I have to wonder, because I'm there for constructive criticism. We've mm-hmm. hashed it out. I don't really want to rehash that debate at this point. I just kind of want to muse on it. I'm, I'm also there for, I like this, but you didn't, or you like this and I didn't, or we both liked it, or we both didn't like it, or we both loved it, or whatever. It's all fine. But there is a group of Star Wars, and this isn't meant to be an us and them, or a you're doing it wrong, or I'm doing it right thing. Not really. It's more, I, I'm asking a somewhat rhetorical question, but I would like a real answer from someone one of these days. Mm. We love the original trilogy, but also sometimes we don't love episode six. Okay, fine. We don't like episode one, and we don't like episode two. We don't like episode three. We don't like episode seven. Don't like Solo. And yeah, maybe we liked Rogue One, and we don't like episode eight, and we don't like episode nine. But we love Star Wars. Right. At some point, and to be fair, some of those movies that I just mentioned are not good. Like, objectively. And even if you're a diehard Star Wars fan, like me, who finds things to appreciate from them, yeah, you can still say this isn't a good movie, but I like X, Y, and Z. Is this just like a because of like the current polarization toxic shit of like everything, like whether it be sports mm-hmm. or politics or entertainment or like whatever? Like it exists. It so permeates the fabric of our culture at this point. Is it possible ten years from now that we're gonna view? The seven, eight, nine with the love hate relationship that we view one, two, and three with. Can we get back to a point where we can like some of it and not like other parts of it? Can we, can the people who don't like everything that happened post episode five but still love Star Wars somehow, or at least claim to, can any of them tell me what it is you are looking for from any of these movies? And if you can tell me, do you think what you want is gonna make a good movie? Send those responses to flicks in the six at the spintune.com. I mean, I'm being a little sarcastic, but there is a genuine, sincere part of me that's asking because. Oh, no, but I mean, because you, you are asking an interesting question of like, oh, you love Star Wars, but, but do you like Star Wars? Yeah. I, so, so there's going to be some people who I would think if they heard that would sit there and think and be like, all right, you know, maybe I don't love Star Wars. No, you're gonna. It's no one's gonna. No one is gonna admit that. No, there's gonna be mad at you for. There'll be one or two people who, uh, and and that's fine if that's what you your conclusion is. That that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and but there's gonna be other people who are like you don't get it or, well, it's this that and the other or, whatever. Well, but I did like Rogue One. It's okay, fine. I like Rogue One too. Great. Um, I just, I am one of the people who had expectations. And I think, the, I think, and I think you and I have talked about this the best. We're in this, pretty much the same boat on this. I had a bunch of expectations for what seven and eight were going to be, mm-hmm. specifically from seven going into eight. I had a lot of expectations as to where eight and nine would go, and almost none of them came true. Mm-hmm. And I liked what they did better because when I sat down and thought about it, there was a twinge of regret of I wish it had been this or that. But then when I understood what it was they were going for, I was like, oh, if you did what I wanted to do, probably two or three years from now, I would have thought it was cheesy or corny. Mm. I think once I got past the initial heroin hit of, yes, that was exactly what I was looking for, Mm. I probably wouldn't have liked it very much down the line. Mm. 
I, I'm not, this is a, a hindsight's 2020 thing. Like, this is an sure. easy position for me to take. I'm going to say that I totally understand and embrace that as I'm going through yeah. all of this. But, like, I just want us to be able to love and celebrate Star Wars together. And that doesn't mean we all have to agree all the time because that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. But I want Star Wars movies, I guess, is what it comes down to. Because it's been a few years and we went through the first five years of my Star Wars loving life. I just didn't think there would ever be Star Wars movies again because I knew it had been over 10 years since the last one had come out. And then like they they started doing them again. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then those ended and I was like, oh, they're never going to do anymore, are they? (laughs) And then they did 10 years later. And when nine came out and I didn't really like it that much, but they had this whole roadmap to, well, we're not going anywhere. Disney spent billions of dollars on this. We're going to keep making movies. And also we're going to make shows and video games and books and comics. And I don't really do the books and comics part of it. Not like on any sort of principle. It's just not been for me per se. I don't object to them devoting some of their resources and time to that. That's fine. But at the end of the day, Star Wars, as much as I love some of the shows and like some of the shows, and eh, one of the shows, like, Star Wars is movies. Yeah, it it is. There is something to, and it, it, this kind of goes back to my whole, my preference of movies over most other things for entertainment. There is something about the movies, and there is something very specific that you can get out of a Star Wars movie that you can't get out of. Of a, of a show or a book or a game it's yeah. like it's that it's like that two two and a half hour shot of sit here be here here's a whole complete story because so i did that on saturday i put my phone down in between like i picked up in between movies or like you know okay watch 45 minutes of the movie got up took a piss looked at my phone for two minutes put my phone back down yeah i just sat down and watched three star wars movies yeah. because i love star wars even though i like seven and I love eight and I add nine. I enjoyed the shit out of sitting down and watching Star Wars movies. Wait, Be- so did you see you you like seven, love eight, eh, nine? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I love seven, love eight, eh. Yeah. And there but was I, I do I do like to differentiate. I do think I do I mean I eight over over seven. Like I do love I love where that one went. I mean I think what I think what happened like I think we can say now if this time's passed. They got scared about the loud voices after eight mm-hmm. and tried to make those people happy. Mm-hmm. They Darren. failed at doing that and in the process pissed off the people who liked eight. Yeah. Who were probably vocally quieter, but money talks and people bought the tickets. Right. They went to see the movie a lot. Like yeah. <laughs> more than once, a lot of them did. Yeah. So when you went through the process of trying to appease the loud people who also, by the way, spent the money on the tickets and 80% of them were going to spend the money on the tickets again by giving them, quote unquote, what they wanted, they didn't end up liking it, which is, I think that's part of what really cemented it for me, like realizing like in hindsight is like, oh, if I've gotten what I wanted, it's possible I wouldn't have liked it. Mm hmm. Because seeing it on the screen may not have lived up to what I actually wanted anyway. Or I would have realized, oh, no, now that I think about it, this is what seven-year-old me wanted, not 27-year-old me. Because that's what I was then. Yeah. And I that's 
growing up has been a part of all of it for all of us who've loved Star Wars for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years. Or we're getting closer to 50 years. Mm -hmm. And so I'm asking for grace for (laughs) and from the Star Wars fans, including myself. And I'm asking for courage from the people who make the Star Wars. Get back on the saddle. Make Star Wars movies. Make a movie. Make a, start with one. Make yeah. A movie. Doesn't have to be a trilogy. Doesn't have to be a saga. Nope. Make a Star Wars. I hope, I hope it's heard. I hope it's heard, Al. <laughs> Send out a call to all of our allies. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm kind of jealous. I would like to watch all three of those. I really enjoyed them overall. I think that we've talked about this at length, but like at at, at its at, at the at the late at the latest trilogy's worst is the final movie, but even so, I found plenty to enjoy in that movie. Yeah, I I view it; it's more polished and well made for the most part than episodes one and two. Those movies are also not good, just like episode nine isn't good. Mm. But there are individual things from all three of those movies that I really enjoy enough so that like, I, and I, I have a, I have a soft spot for episode one. I, I really do enjoy it. Yeah. And that's fine. If you like it, and we've talked about it in the past before, like a thing can be bad and you can still like it. Mm. Um, and you know, bad is a relative term too. Like it's not a, one, yeah. it's not a one out of 10, but like it's not good either. Yeah. But you can still enjoy it. And there can still be things that are good within a movie that ultimately isn't good. Sure. And that's true of one, and it's true of two, and it's true of nine. Let's get back to let's get back to the movie. That's what I'm saying. We're back to the movies. Let's get back to making Star Wars movies. For sure. Ah, any anything else for consumption? No, that's it for me. Well, with that, I think it's time for our flick of the week. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Released in 2022, rated R, with a two-hour and 19-minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. A middle-aged Chinese immigrant is swept up into an instant, in, well, an instant, an insane adventure in which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have. Al, why don't you kick us off with your toot-length review? You're really sticking with that thing. I'm sticking with it. Twitter's dead. Down with the Twitter. It's time for the rise of the Mastodon. <laughs> the hot dog fingers are a no for me, but everything else... Sorry, everything everywhere else was good. 7.5 out of 10. <laughs> Is it an emotional deep dive into anxiety, stress, loneliness, nihilism, empathy, kindness, family, or unconditional love? Is it an homage to The Matrix, Cloud Atlas, Scott Pilgrim, or Doctor Strange? Maybe it's simply everything, everywhere. All at once. I see what you did. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Wow. 10 out of 10. I was completely blown away by this movie. I liked the movie. I I don't know if there was just, if it was too everywhere or too everything or too all at once. There was something that didn't 100% click for me. Did you break up the viewing? Um, I know that was my plan initially, but I think think I watched it all in one go, actually. Okay. No, sorry. I watched all but the last, like, 20 minutes. Um, and I watched the last 20 minutes on its own. But even before I had broken it, I had already been kind of... I Like I said, I liked the movie. It was good. Mm-hmm. 
I will, it's funny. I, I ask because I did. I was. I started to feel that way at some point through it, and sticking through the entire viewing in one sitting, I went through just this incredible journey, <laughs> and <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with it. What it, I think what it was to me was it couldn't decide if it wanted to be like Inception style. We're gonna over explain until you we know you actually understand it all. Or if it was going to be the tenant form of, at a certain point, just fucking figure it out. I, it kind of bounced between those two things. And I felt myself either, I need more to fully understand the rules, or just a little bit less to experience it. Mm-hmm. And it I felt can, like it couldn't settle that. on that. And I just felt... I think you're supposed to be kind of shocked and unsettled to a point by this movie. And I was, I think, in the positive way, but also in the negative way of like, hang on, what now? What now? <laughs> you know, and maybe I'm not being slightly unfair. Maybe, maybe it should be an eight or an eight and a half. I don't know. It, it wasn't perfect to me. It was a good movie. I enjoyed the movie. I'm glad I watched the movie. I'll watch it again. And yeah. I understand, even though I would say this is kind of a, an unconventional movie from an Oscars perspective. I have no objection to most of the nominations it got. Um, no, absolutely not. So I, I really, I did enjoy the movie. It something just missed the mark that didn't let me go to the level that you're going sure. with it. But I don't want anyone to think I didn't like this movie because no, I did. Fair. I enjoyed the movie. It was, it was that's a good fair. fun. So, movie. I mean, even even at a seven and a half, it's not that's not a bad review. Um, no, it, it's there is a. I can appreciate where where you're going with like the it's there was very there's very much a what are the rules like oh yeah like uh, throughout the movie and I do think that there is a degree of just just go with it after a certain like I just abandon trying to figure out like ex- the exact mechanics of it because that's not really at all important to what's going on yeah and for a while I think they 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 got to that point and actually that was probably the best most cohesive section of the movie. But then I felt like towards the end, they kind of went back to the over-explaining part again. I was like, I thought we were past that. So did I miss something? Mm. Mm. I don't know. I have to I'm not asking you. I'm, I'm the, that was more rhetorical. No, no, I, I know. I, I'd be curious though to, to see where you're coming from because I think I'd have to rewatch it with that one. I think by that point, I was so I was so captivated that I don't think anything anything was. I, I wasn't really thinking about anything else. I. You know, what, uh, you know what part, part of it was? I actually realized I, this part. Maybe I missed. Maybe I missed something. The 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 grandfather character, it, like switches sides. <laughs> At which point? At the end of the movie. What I don't know what scene in particular you're when on. the sequence going up the stairs towards okay. the portal. Yeah. The yes. grandfather switched sides. Yes. And he did. I I don't know if I'm misremembering her or if I didn't understand. Well, he was kind of he wanted. Well, he the grandfather was kind of in his own in his own place of like just let her go into the bagel, like so that it's so that she's not here anymore. <laughs> like and the and his daughter was like I can't abandon my child, and he understood that by proxy because like she was pulling into the hole into the black hole and he eventually changed his so i i got that part of it Mm -hmm. but that's what she wanted to do 
And the whole movie he had spent trying to stop her from doing what she wanted to do. So then he was going to start letting her do what she wanted to do? Her whole point was to go into the bagel. She says that early on. Yeah, but it was to take everybody with her. No, her whole thing, she said, she lays out her whole plan. It was, I've been searching everyone to see if there is someone who understands me and can dissuade me from doing this. Mm. Because this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you were like the only person I thought could dissuade me. And you haven't. So I'm just going to do this. So I, I mean, so this is the part where maybe I'm misunderstanding because I assumed that when she goes into the bagel, the whole world ends. Oh, right. Because she is everywhere. Yeah. So it's like everything getting pulled into. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I didn't. I don't know why. he's. So I wondered if I missed something. I was like, hang on a second. Like, yeah, I understand, like, so the, the, there was different the factions. You're questioning is why he was okay with her going into it. Yeah, like, why did yeah, he just, like, okay, switch sides at the end where he's opposing her who's trying to find another way? She's trying to get her to stop trying to end the world. Right. Hmm. So I, I wondered if I misunderstood what her going into the portal was, which is possible, or, because I, at a certain point I was a little confused, I was like, oh, wait, no, some of these characters who we had seen are working for her because she's taken them over in that world. But she didn't take over the grandfather. She took over the Waymond, the different Waymonds, right? And the people working with him. But there were two separate factions from that world who were jumping into this world. And the grandfather wasn't physically with them. He wasn't captured by her on the other world. So that's why I was really confused right. all of a sudden why he switched sides. Right. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. So anyway, but I still really enjoyed the movie, even yep. with that bit of a plot hole. It just that was kind of what pulled me out, where I was like, okay, you guys have done so much over explaining, but I think I've got it now. And then it felt like they changed the rules and I didn't understand what was going on at this point. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. I, as soon as I thought like I actually understood what was going on, now I don't understand that it's not making like logical sense, even within the insane dream world type of multiverse logic that you guys are having going on. That being said, there's still a million other great things about the movie. It's just like I was left, I just don't like when I can't understand, even if I like agree or disagree, like I, when it just felt like internally they were being inconsistent, that's the thing that takes me out. I got you. Yeah, you want the, mecha- the mechanics to be either Con- consistent, solid. Even if they're irrational, be consistent. Yeah, mm, that's fair. That's totally fair. I think that like uh, part of the reason that that doesn't bother me in the case of this movie is like all of the mechanics, aside, like the mechanics <laughs> we're all just like this plot device to tell this to tell the story that they're actually telling sure and so i feel like all like all that stuff is forgivable um specifically to what i was saying earlier of like trying to understand like there was a good i would say a third to two-thirds of the movie where i was desperately trying to understand what it means to jump from one to the other and what's happening to the other body and what's happening to the other consciousness and like yeah. all this stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch. Yeah. Cause the, and that's where I'm getting at. Where it's like, okay, there was a certain point where they're over explaining and over explaining. It's like, okay, like I think yeah. I get it, but then it's like, why do I have to do a thing that takes me that I would never do? Why is that the thing that works to make mm-hmm. me jump? And I have to chart this path, which actually was kind of a, creating a weird synergy with me reading the foundation where they talk about their hyperspace travel it's not like Star Wars where you just like plot a course and we go. Right. You it's like have chaotic. to. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's basically like we're going to plot a course, but there's a chance that we're miss our mark by like a million miles. So we're going right. to a little jump, find out where we actually landed, 
and then make another little so like they got to do it in pieces yeah across the way and like that was what she was doing right she's like they were trying to create this connection where she wasn't just going <laughs> to jump straight to the world where she knows kung fu she had to go to the world where she has hot dog fingers and then that'll take her to the world oh where you know her she has a son not a daughter and that'll take her to the world where this and then that and then it'll end up with she knows kung fu so like they're like and like so they over explained all of that and at a certain point i was like okay i don't really get it but like i get it enough to like the shorthand of the visual language of this movie mm-hmm. i'm on board for great and then in the second act they stop getting into the minutiae of all that and it just becomes identify a skill you want do a thing that's irrational, you will get the skill. <laughs> and they visually represented that by two separate men trying to jump onto a dildo and shove it up their ass, yeah. and her trying to stop that. And that is Schroding, uh, Schroding, not Schrodinger, Chekhov's dildo. Well, you can make an argument is also Schrodinger's dildo was it was it or was it not in his ass at any given sure. point? Like, but that's yeah, true. <laughs> but yes, Chekhov's. Uh, sorry, it's 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 Chekhov's butt plug. Chekhov's butt plug. Um. But that, as ridiculous as that sentence that I just uttered was, mm-hmm. thinking less and over-explaining more and just going with the idea of think a skill, do something ridiculous, profit. And we do that by three people fighting over control of a trophy that looks like a butt plug while two men are, with all of their hearts, mind, and soul, trying to leap directly onto a butt plug. Yeah. It's so utterly insane yep. so utterly chaotic profane over the top unnecessary forget about turning this dial to 11 we're at 13 yeah but it was perfect that mm-hmm. sequence is the perfect distillation of what this movie is trying to be and i don't even mean that in the vulgar sense i mean that of the everything everywhere all at once sense yeah. of and there's there's actually moments of that exact thing throughout. Like that's a very good example. Sure. Yeah. There's there's points. But the highest concentration is in that middle section of the movie yeah. of those things. And in those period of time, I was like, yes, here I am. Here's the movie. We're doing it. We're vibing. Great. Yeah. And then like the wheels just fell off at the end for me a bit, which is what stops me from like I said going up to like an eight and a half or something. So when Evelyn was able to like you know like you were saying. Think of the skill that you want. Do some random ass thing. Get the skill. When Evelyn was doing that, it was at that point already where she was connected, and she she actually knew she was able to tell where all of her like where all of the instances of her in the multiverse were. So she could jump to them because yeah. she at that point was everywhere. Like she she had made that that leap into. That next that next phase of doing these jumps, so that so that's why it's like basically they they semi explained it away so that they can now have this fun with it. I yeah, feel like and also progress the story of her like understanding that she is just her and she is also all of these things that she could have been because they're all basically potential energy. <laughs> like you know, yeah. I it was just I so Evelyn is such an interesting character because um, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, she's like for the very for for the majority of the movie, I, I find her insufferable. Yeah, and intentionally so. The character is written that way. Like that is the point. And she's like she's extremely distracted. She's super impatient. She's like constantly overwhelmed by everything, but also like Everywhere. making her own life harder. 
by acting the way that she acts Mm -hmm. and like ruining the emotional life of her family around her because she is not present. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of commentary around that, like in today's society and all right. And like, well, especially I would think this would be a kind of a powerful, we've gotten a million versions of this movie where it's a dude who's not present and it's his wife and kids to, to invert that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you break through the white noise of that story being told a million times. Yeah. Because it's it's the same story told in a 180 degree different way that, I don't know, Like it, to me it was immediately identifiable as, okay, this is another version of that story. And the story keep, yep. needs to keep being told because it's still a pervasive issue with our society and culture. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's not just in America. Like, I'm sure it's mm-hmm. a human nature thing. 100% sure. But still, we live here. This is what we see every day. To see it from a woman doing it to her husband as opposed to a husband doing it to his wife, which is what we've seen for decades and decades of pop culture and media, as well as centuries of real life experience. (laughs) And as well, see it through the eyes of an immigrant family. We're just like, it's, you know, it's usually the white dude and his white wife, right? Like to see that all of that reconfigured in this way and also put it through a absolutely absurd sci-fi story yeah like that should be the shock to your system to actually pay attention for two seconds mm-hmm. for, for sure but i do like so you know to back to her to her character um she's like she's also so in like it's she's like very selfish like so engrossed in what she's doing in the moment and like everybody like uh alpha uh uh, Wayman is like trying to tell her like this is literally the most important thing that's happening right now like I need you to pay attention and she's like it's like today is not good for me like, <laughs> like that and it's like so it's so infuriating but like to the point where she does eventually get on board also to be, kinda... to, to be fair as insufferable as she was for most of the first two thirds of the movie that was actually the most relatable thing because I feel like in yeah. real life okay you guys haven't been doing a good job of this whole business and IRS thing you're actually trying to be president and do the thing. Yeah. And then you have this ridiculous asinine over the top, turning it to 13 sci-fi situation, right? Like it's <laughs> like, cause I, again, it's a, I think it is a great parallel to real life where it's like, you have a thing that you got to do that you're progressing. You don't want to do it. Cause it's not that important. Oh, yeah. uh, but you know, you're not really focusing your time necessarily always on, any one super important thing, you're doing a half-ass job of a bunch of different things. And then when you get that wake-up call that you have to do this thing for real, seriously, no, no, no. This thing that you think is just another thing you can add into the morass of shit that you're not paying attention to <laughs> is going to smack you upside the face. It's going to be the end of the world. Maybe not the end of the world, the end of your world, perhaps. And yeah. that's the case for Evelyn. Yep. And then for, for the character's arc and growth, though, what I really appreciated was that, you know, you, you expect in a movie like this or like in any story, basically in any movie, any storytelling, like, okay, the character is going to change completely by the end and become the better version of themselves, right? And there is a, there is an indication that she has in moments and that she's headed in the right direction, but there's some subtleties in the final act of like, she still will make an offhanded comment or do something where you're like, this is more realistic. This is a we've all been kind of struggling with this thing that I'm doing and we've had, we finally communicated about it 
I understand the change that needs to be made and I'm going to, I'm starting to make it. And like, it's not just a binary thing where like, she is now just better. Like, she, like I said, she still makes like random comments stuff, but she is like, they are, they are headed on the path to better, like to understanding each other and communicating and being a better family because of it. And like, it's just so beautiful by the end. <laughs> and I love the way that it comes together. Um, and that's, and that's just Evelyn, right? Like then there's like, well, the, this is all of the other characters that are all going through their own thing. Well, think about like the ultimate version of this is like Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Where mm-hmm. he's a miser. Oh, I meant to say part part Christmas Carol on there too. <laughs> he, he's he's a miser. He's rude. All those good like, afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. You know, he's not only ungenerous but actively malicious to the people around him. And then at the end of the movie, show, book, whatever, he's running through the streets and he's frolicking and he's giving away all his money and he's this and that. And it's it's great, but it's a bit saccharine and unrealistic. Right. It's it's fun. It feels warm and fuzzy when you're watching the movie. But yes, if you're looking at it through the lens of what could happen. Because realistically, a year from now, two years from now, that guy will have backslidden. He won't be then. Yeah, probably Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be a little bit more generous, but okay. Oh, actually, and that, that was a that was actually a I, I didn't mean it in the moment, but that was a joke actually from Spirited, where it's like the leading cause of, was it the leading cause of death that, that in that time was a Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. But with Evelyn, we get as she's kind of actually to bring back kind of like the Inception parallel again. Like remember at the end when they're coming up through the levels of the dream. Mm-hmm. She's kind of doing that where when she reconciles with the with Joy, well, technically it's Joe Joe's pocket at that point, but when it, she she connects with Joy on that level, they come up and you see her through the different worlds, whether she'd be reconciling with she's with Jamie Lee Curtis's character in the hot dog world. She's with she's got the different versions of her own regular life with the laundromat, mm-hmm. the one that we see in like the real life one versus the other one where they have the Christmas party and all that, or the birthday party, whatever it was. Well, I guess it was both it was a holiday party and his birthday party. At the, it was the, the Chinese new year and Chinese his new birthday year, yeah. at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where she has the big emotional scene with the daughter, right. It's technically mm-hmm. in that timeline, but it applies across all of them. And she, talks about all of the ways in which she's failed and the daughter's failed and everyone has failed, but that that's okay. That now that they've identified the problem, they can start solving the problem. And even if they don't have the solutions today, just the fact that they want to be there together to do it. And that, that I love you, not in spite of your flaws, but also because of your flaws and vice versa. And yeah, like this thing about our relationship is super annoying. But the fact that we get to do that together is also important too. And we can try to be better. And then she starts to try to be better. She takes seriously sitting down and doing the bills. She takes seriously the fact that some of these things are not business expenses. And also subsect to that, some of these things are unrealistic for her to even attempt, but it doesn't mean that she'll get it all right in one Mm -hmm. go. And for just one moment, she can be present as they're about to go do something scary and she can kiss her husband and actually show him that she cares and loves him because Uh she does. Because it was heartbreaking to her to find out that he wanted a divorce. And when she accidentally 
gives him the divorce in the other timeline, it was heartbreaking to him. Neither of them actually wants to do that, but they've gotten to such a breaking point they don't know how to do it. And just to see the little pieces of, we're going to try to make all of these things work, and today they're all lining up and working. But tomorrow we'll only get it 60% right, and the day after that we'll get it 80% right, and the day after that we'll get it 20% right, and the day after that we'll get it 100% right again. Yeah. That's what life that's is. That's real. Yeah, that's why, and I think that's I think that's maybe why the movie had such a profound impact on me while I was watching. Like, like you're talking about like the the conversation that Evelyn has with her daughter. Like, at, like just before that, she did the big thing of like standing up for her and introducing her girlfriend to the grandfather, right? And in any other movie, that would have been like, ah, everything is forgiven now. But <laughs> the daughter was like. Fuck you. <laughs> After all of this. It took the world ending. It took our right. world's <laughs> ending for you to do this big grand dramatic gesture. And good for you. Good for you. Yeah. But oh good for you. But you're like you're just doing that to be self-righteous. Right. You're not actually fixing the problem. Or you're fixing a problem, but there's still mm-hmm. a million other problems. Are you going to keep that same energy for those problems? And it takes that conversation for her to say, yeah, yeah, it's not going to be overnight, but we're going to at least try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that kind of leads into Joy, the daughter, Stephanie Shu, um, who is like, she's so clearly struggling, right? In, in the, in the main storyline that we're seeing. She's definitely facing depression, and she's kind of just lost adrift, it's like trying to figure, th- like trying to reconcile. Like I know that I need to like kind of disconnect and live my life. Plus, also, but it's my family, and also, it's hard. Like and like this stuff isn't easy, and like she's just lost. She's like she feels very alone, and the mother Evelyn is like not like as we already talked about. Like she's not she's not present, so it's difficult for that character. And it's so easy to see like the idea of Jobu Topaki is. I feel like is that compounded in every one of the timelines, right? Because it's like Evelyn is. Uh, to a degree this way in all of the timelines and therefore has like that compounding effect on, um, on joy. Right. Cause like, I feel like what the one thing that was consistent was like these characters were a certain way in the timeline that we're, that we live in for the majority of the movie, but they were also, they may have different skills or be in a different point of life. And the other one, they all had similar, like, um, like emotionally were like in the same spot. So like, I think there's that, there's that whole compounding effect. Evelyn is, is more and more disconnected by that compounding effect. Joy is more and more lost and depressed by that compounding effect. And then Wayman is just more and more kind, <laughs> right? Like he's just like, re- like relentlessly kind, like Ted Lasso kind. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just, I also, so... I really appreciated the gambit of like kind of a fourth wall breaking of like one of the timelines is like, she's just Michelle Yeoh basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty... I will say the, uh, that got me when, did that did that did that ending that fake ending get you? Which which one? After the first after the everything sequence, I think it was. Oh, yeah. And they were in the movie theater, and it said the end, and it did, and it threw the director's names on the screen. I was like, "Is the movie over <laughs> for half a second? But I had I had already paused, so I knew there was like still a lot of time. Okay. So so when it did it all, 
actually it was front and present in my mind. I was like, this is going to be the movie. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, so what else we got then? <laughs> that was, that was, that was cool. But uh, yeah, so it's funny. So joy, like, right. She like is Jobu Tabaki Tapaki. And, ha- and like that character is just this, you know, it, nothing matters. I've created the everything bagel black hole. I, that whole the, that was the whole I like everything bagels. Fuck all of you. <laughs> no, because there are there are bagel snobs who are like, oh, it's is it, if it's everything, it can't be anything. Why would you? I don't. Maybe I just like flavor on my bagel. I don't. Those know. people don't like Star Wars. <laughs> they don't like Star Wars, but they don't. Um, everything bagels are the best. Now listen, if you prefer another bagel, that's fine. That's fine. I guess. Don't don't come at me with plain. To, to me, most often at this stage of my life, when I have a bagel, it's a bagel sandwich. I like an everything bagel with a bagel sandwich. But every once in a while, if I'm going to have just a toasted bagel with butter, I like to mix it up every once in a while. I like a, I like a blueberry bagel with some butter or a cranberry raisin or um, oh, like the oatmeal raisin swirl type of one or whatever. I do. <laughs> I like the I like the egg everything. Okay. Okay. I'll throw some. I'll do. A, I'll do the bagel sandwich or French toast bagel with butter. Oh my god! I did a. Oh, dude. The other day. The other day. It was like. It was like two months ago. We did a. We did a French toast bagel sandwich. Nice. I probably wouldn't use that for a sandwich. I probably want that with the butter and then a different bagel with the sandwich. No, it was, it was good. It was good. Also, there's a place nearby that does a that does an everything rye bagel, and Ooh. then there's one that does a marble rye bagel. Marble Those rye bagel some sounds fantastic. I had a pumpernickel rye bagel. That was good. Yes. Yeah. There's a place that also does a pumpernickel everything nearby. Nice. Okay. I'm These also, are all different. All of the ones that I've mentioned are different bagels. <laughs> I'm also thinking, <laughs> like you're saying with like the, the French toast bagel sandwich, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking yeah. like if we could do the sandwich kind of in the style of a McGriddle, but good, like make your own sausage and eggs, put a little dash of maple syrup on that bad boy mm-hmm. with... The French toast bagel, all of it homemade, well, with the exception of the bagel, I guess. Mm. That that would be a way to go. Sure, sure. Man, now I'm hungry. Um, anyway, so Joe Butchpaki, everything bagel of sadness. Just everything bagel of sadness. Like nothing matters. Uh, everything is garbage. Like super apathetic. Like it is such. I feel like that. Like kind of ugh, to everything mentality is so prevalent <laughs> like just today right and it's such a selfish point of view i'm sorry like it really it really irritates me it is but also when you're in the throes of like family crisis and health like mental health sure. issues understandable and not something you can just bootstrap your way out of necessarily no, no but it's it's just a lot of, I feel like so much of it in like, well, it was hard in this case because like the, we're talking about like, she's seen all of these universes, right? Yes. And again, you know, to your point, and that's where also why I do think that there's a lot of commentary on, on depression and maybe even a lot of anxiety stuff within the movie. Like, like you said, yes, you can't just pull yourself out of it, but it's like, it's hard to imagine like you've seen all of these other lives that are being live that do not know about this multiverse they don't know about these different universes they're just doing their thing and for you to say that doesn't matter is very um high and mighty yeah 
And also, you know, you can make the argument it might have even been nice for, even if it was in a flashback, it might have, it, it probably would have been nice to see a Joy who tried to reason with her. Mm. Even if she was subdued, if the the strength of the sadness was so overwhelming that a Joy sure. who had found a way to healthily live their life, if that was just to see her try to grapple with it herself. Because I, I think it's still true to what you're saying, where it's like, okay, a version of you can appreciate and understand this, but the point is, even the because even for a person in real life who's going through that sort of thing, I'm sure there's an angel on their shoulder who, in the internal debate, is giving the positive outlook. They may be shouted down by the negative outlook, but it still exists. Mm. And you still need the outside help, right? You still needed ultimately yeah. the help of Evelyn. But it, I guess it would have been nice just to, to show that, that in, to show the internal struggle that Joy slash Jobu was dealing with, right? Yeah. And, and it is another one of those things, though, that I feel like it is hard to see it. But unless you can actually relate to the emotion, it's difficult, right? Like, I don't, I can't relate to very specifically, like, some of the stuff that she's conveying. But at the same time, I do know that when you are going through something like that and nobody like it doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody else says, you are stuck. Yeah. And so there is there is that aspect, which makes the character compelling. It makes I feel like makes the storyline. It's just like there's so much craziness surrounding it, like everything going on in the movie. But there are some very real topics being exposed and or tackled throughout the whole movie. And. That's just so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got we to gotta get to Wayman, though. Yeah. <laughs> because not only... So, like... There, there, was a different, there was a different version of this intro where I was just going to do his Be Kind speech. Yeah. Oh, my God. But that line about the jackboot <laughs> fuckers, was, it was too funny. It just... The, uh... So, Kehui Kwan. I looked up how to say it. Is that I how it's pronounced? I hope I, I hope I didn't do it terribly um one okay so a couple things this one popped up on our radar we had known about it in advance but also it came up for best picture nomination so it was like even that much more reason for us to get to it sooner great totally think that it should win so far from what i've seen um that being said kei kwan should absolutely win (laughs) for best like i don't even care like i know that I, I, I we should I still have to see the whale. I don't know that. I feel like there's something about not having seen it. There's still something about like from what the clips I've seen and from what I know about the movie. Uh, Brendan Fraser is probably like a front runner for this award. Well, isn't but, isn't um, Quan like, for supporting? supporting? Right. Yeah. Okay. I, so I think I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It would be, it would be separate categories. Well, anyway, I, I hope that he wins because he will switch characters on screen like while you're watching him he will switch characters and you tell before he starts speaking that he's done it he does something with his body language he does something with a movement and suddenly he's somebody else and i think that was su- it's such a cool thing to what to watch <laughs> well e- even just the first instance where you don't quite know what's going on yet and you see him in the background of the cameras like running around yes. and jumping in the laundromat <laughs> oh, that is so funny I think my favorite has to be the difference in the pitch of his voice between Alpha Wayman and 
the the women from the main world that we're that we're in when uh my maybe maybe my favorite scene is when he's peeking over the filing cabinets at evelyn he's like you're not the one that i'm looking for i have to go i have to leave you like i have to find out who the real one is and he just ducks behind it and then he she goes evelyn and he he pulls his head up and he goes evelyn (laughs) And and his voice completely changes and he's now his normal self again it's so, so funny. That was that was pretty good. Um, I can confirm he was he is acting in a supporting role. Cool. Um, Michelle Yeoh, actress in a leading role. Stephanie Sue, supporting role. Jamie Lee Curtis, supporting role. That's cool that they that there's so much recognition for the movie. Jamie Lee Curtis was great in this too. She was just an absolutely ridiculous character. There was an you're talking about like the transformations on screen. The one where she goes from being the regular IRS agent to to stapling the paper on her forehead. Not only that, but she goes from like purposely sitting where she has this massive gut yep. to sitting up straight and sucking it in and like being like powerful. <laughs> and yeah. it's like it's, not that, it's power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know, there was something about that, like just talking about "quote unquote" physical transformation directly on the screen to convey a different character like that, um, and a yeah. bunch of them did that. Like even Joy, with the different versions of Jobu, like she must have had a lot of fun. Also, it probably got exhausting at a certain point, but she must have had so much fun with all the different costumes that they put her in, right? Her, her in particular, um, but she did a great job too, showing just this like over the top malice, this ridiculous insanity the real conventional like just depression and then you know back to this kind of like the seductive like well wouldn't you want to be a part of all this don't you see where i'm coming from like she doesn't just overwhelm people by force she convinced people to join her as well yeah so watching that range of outcomes as well was you know it, it was yeah, you evoked Cloud Atlas earlier, and what part of what makes that movie special is seeing all these actors and actresses get to do different roles within the same movie. And same thing with this one, like there's an element of getting to play different versions of yourself throughout the different worlds and, and what those different personalities and aspects would look like. Yeah. Ah, uh, man. It's just so... It was just such a fascinating movie. I just like... I. I was so caught up in it when I watched it. I just really, I really enjoyed it. I, I wanted to go through um, a couple of the get. Well, first off, a couple of the multiverses. So obviously, there's the standard ones of like the various versions of living their lives. The ones where they get split, where, where they don't run off together. The ones where they do all that. But then there's, as you saw, we saw, as you've mentioned a couple of times already. There's like the hot dog fingers ones where they're like so gross. Where they like, but like you're definitely thinking to yourself, how are they even functioning? And then of course they were like, they're using their feet for the majority of Yeah. Playing the piano with the feet was uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a choice. (laughs) There was the, there was the rock one, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Just this universe where life didn't form and there are rocks with googly eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Using the googly eyes from the, uh, the The googly eyes being the opposite of the, of the everything bagel black hole is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe one of my favorite completely unnecessary could have been entirely cut out of the movie things, but so glad that it's not was Rakakuni. Oh my gosh. I actually, I forgot about that. That <laughs> the fact that they just, just going to blatantly rip off Ratatouille like that 
it's the prop is so bad that it's good. Yep. Um, the fact that it's just this running joke about her, and it's like watching her in that scene reminds me of when your dad tries to remember certain things oh, yeah. and just blatantly mispronounces them. Yep. <laughs> and um, Quantum Marsala, that what, classic 007 film. Which one? Quantum Marsala. <laughs> Quantum Marsala. <laughs> I, you have said that one before. I couldn't remember it, but I I couldn't remember the specifics, but I know that every once in a while he, he runs into those where <laughs> the language barrier there just makes for him not quite getting it right and doing the same thing here where she can't remember. It's some sort of vermin, not a rat, it's a raccoon. Raccoon. Yeah. And them playing that whole thing out where, like, yeah, in real life, if someone found out there was a raccoon on your head, it wouldn't, it wouldn't continue. It couldn't possibly continue. But then even just like, they, that's ridiculous enough. But to then like level it up to he's, she's riding him and pulling his hair to get him to run. And then they, you know, they solve the problem and they do it the other way around. <laughs> like, so ridiculous. I don't even understand. I don't even know how you managed to, from a writing perspective, pull all of this, all of this together, let alone actual production. Just getting to the, the even take it further back, take it to the point of we're going to make this joke about this Chinese American woman who mispronounces slash misremembers mm-hmm. Ratatouille. Then we're not just going to play that for a joke. We're going to create a universe because they could have done it as a one-off joke, right? Yeah, it could have just been there's. A universe where there's an actual raccoon helping a person. That, and that could have been it. It could have been a, a 90 second sequence. You use that prop one time. It probably isn't that expensive. It's one day of shooting. Mm-hmm. No, you made it one of the core storylines. The audacity to think and execute that way, like in a clever way. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating. It, it, incredible. Incredible. Um, Obviously, we already we already talked about the butt plugs. Uh, I spotted those early on. I was like, "That's an interesting trophy." Um, and then the whole concept of doing something weird, like figuring out in the moment, okay, this is what's going on. They have to do something weird to make this jump. And that for that for me, that moment was when he ate the chapstick. Oh god! Because I was so unsettled by it. It brought me back to being like six years old, and there was always like that one kid. Who like <sighs> ate the chapstick? Yeah. Or the one kid who ate the glue? No. Yeah, or yeah. the one kid who wasn't just picking his nose, but picking his nose and eating it? Like, yeah. it took me back to that. Ugh. Don't eat chapstick. Don't eat chapstick. And then uh, the other gags that I have here, obviously, the googly eyes was one was a good one um, on a lot of stuff throughout the movie. Uh, always kind of embodying women's never-ending positivity. <laughs> which is great uh, how many times do I have to tell you to stop putting googly eyes <laughs> <laughs> actually wait he, what's better of of his weird little like idiosyncrasies is putting the googly eyes everywhere or how many times do I have to tell you not to bring the laundry into our home no it's happier here yeah. <laughs> the laundry's happier here <laughs> oh man when they're in that basement, I think they're in the basement. There's, they're somewhere in the in the IRS building, and things slow down for a minute. And he's talking to, and Wayman's talking to Evelyn. 
The stairwell? He, he very seriously, yes, says, clothes never wear as well the next day. And I was like, is he? And then he follows it up with, your hair never falls in quite the same way. I was like, what is <laughs> happening right now? And then only to find out, and only to notice like random points in the movie, that there's like variations of that song playing. Was there? Yeah, and then I mean, this I is the story of a girl. Yes. So I looked into it even further, and it goes much deeper than I realized. Oh God! To the point where there is not only variations, like a country variation, or like just different variants in the background, but there's also like alternate lyrics at random points. I what? You have to look into this. It's worth your time. Okay. Uh, but I was just like, that's another one. Like like the wreck. The raccoon joke that they like, they went all the way with. Like, this is another one that's like, it's not as in your face, but they really committed to it. Okay. But when he said it, I was just like, this movie is absurd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I loved it so much. I don't really have, um, I mean. Sorry, I was just looking up to see if like, if I could recall anything else from like the, from that song, if there was in this. Uh, no, it's that's gonna ruin I, I, me until I like find that whole story about all the stupid little things. That are from have, yeah, you have, you gotta watch it. It's it's great. So much fun. I really enjoyed it. I I I'm so glad that I got to watch this one. Um, I'm a little annoyed that it required a subscription for five minutes. I canceled the subscription afterwards. I just used it. There was like f- I should I should have just bought the movie. Ultimately, that's what I was gonna do. There was a free trial. That's what it did. Yeah, the free oh. trial for like however many days, and I seven canceled days. That. I think. Yeah, but um, I'm just saying, a little annoyed just because I have so many services and mm-hmm. it's not on any of them. It's on this other one. I was like, really? Well, I, have, anyway, I have this one. So. You have this one. Um, loved it. Do you? What? Do you have any other notes on this movie? Yeah, we didn't talk about um James Hong, and I just I appreciated that he's still yeah. able to to get it done and have some fun in a movie like this. Um, yeah, yeah. He kind of is always. It feels like in 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 my lifetime and recollection is always played. Kind of a ridiculous grandfather who's way over the yes. top, and he certainly has his moments of this. But to get to see him play a real character for some bits of this movie, I love when when he uh, in in the timeline where Evelyn says that this is Joy's girlfriend, he doesn't. He he's just like okay, and like he's like, <laughs> he's like so nice to meet you, and she's wheeling him around like not two minutes later. Well, the best part about that, like before, and is like you know. The stereotype is no. It's just going to be no. Yeah. Like, God, no. And when she says it to him and he's repeating it back, it's as if he truly never considered that such a thing could exist. Yep. It wasn't outrage. It wasn't approval, disgust, any of those things. It was true and genuine shock as if you had told him, (laughs) <laughs> you know the sky isn't blue it's actually green and it's like the sky is green again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to watch like because she's like oh i love old people you learn so much and all that and like they develop this weird off screen we don't even hear them like t- what do we hear them say one thing like i don't know like and, yeah. and they're just kind of hanging out in the background doing their thing like i, I don't know there was something like that was kind of hilarious about that so silly. Um, I'm looking, I was looking through the rest of the cast to see if there's anybody that we didn't really, that we should focus in on. But Jenny Slate, super random. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Very random. Mona Lisa Sap- Saperstein. No. That's right. <laughs> she's my sister. And she's the worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I encourage you all to watch everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, by this point, I'm, if, you, if you've gotten this far, I assume you've seen it. If you've gotten this far, I'm betting you're willing to go a little bit further. Mm. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Stan. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out. Last word on The Last of Us. Let this. Episodes three and. Let this be the final in the <laughs> chapter of. <laughs> we, uh. Maybe the biggest flub is missing a week so that we could have a dedicated post credits to episode three. <laughs> we, we picked the wrong week to have an unexpected you're sick and yeah. we can't do an episode. Yeah, that was, um. That was some damn good television. It is an episode. That has no business existing mm-hmm. or being a part of the show. And everyone who watched it would have been worse off for not having seen it. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it doesn't make sense to have that episode spending 90% of its time with two characters who have almost no impact on this entire show. And yet, it will be fully responsible for one or two points on the score of this season mm-hmm. on its own. Like whatever yeah. the sum total ends up being when it's all said and done. If say this show ends up as a nine, that will have been two of the nine points on its own. Yeah. It's, you know what though? It, it does something for the, the show. While there is a main storyline, it is about people living in this world and the variations of what life can look like in the world. Oh, sure. My my point is everything we've seen to this point with how much mm-hmm. flashback there's been has been in service of plot or character. Sure. In some way. Even yeah. f- when we have the scenes in Jakarta. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with Joel and Ellie, but it has everything to do with how the world got to be the way it is. Yep. So it still is in service of the main plot. This has almost nothing to do, which we have the benefit of hindsight, right? Like, or foresight in this case. By the time we get to episode four, their truck and supplies no longer on the table for them. Sure. So even if you wanted to argue that was going to be like worthwhile. You can can make an argument for that because of the distance they were able to travel. Sure. But it's 10 minutes of an episode. Like it's, it's, it's totally trivial. Mm -hmm. And so there is no reason it should work. And it's a testament to the writing and the direction and the performance mm-hmm. that it works so incredibly well. It's so it was a it's its own little movie spectacular own... episode of television that tro- yeah it's a, it's a it's a wonderful little movie that Trojan horse its way into a show it has no business being a part of. yeah because really at the end of it all it it, it doesn't materially change anything that happens in this yeah. it, not even in the the state of the world. 
if they wanted to do if they did like a four-year consideration for award shows you could just give them this episode and it wouldn't matter because you don't need the rest of the context for it yeah uh, and uh, yeah. like that as soon as that episode aired people were like this is just run this as your four-year consideration ad for next year's yeah like oh my god it was so it was so good the performances were incredible i, I you're right. It's not really as far as main storyline. Like it's it impacts it very little. It's just a matter of getting the truck and moving on. Um, but to give the character such depth, to give Frank a character on screen, and to alter the story in such a way that it made it wonderful and tragic instead of horrible and tragic. It's like it's. I don't know. It was just so. It's so well done. It's it's a testament to. If every other show took the time and effort of writing and characterizing and casting and directing, performing mm-hmm. their main characters the way that they did for these two characters, who aren't even a part of the show in a real way. Yep. If any other show did that, their show could be fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Or more fantastic if it's already a good show. Like, And it keeps coming back to the point that we talk about. And I bring it up more often than, than just because, like, when I see it, it makes me mad that other shows and movies don't do it. Mm. It makes watching something good like this makes me mad for all the other stuff where it's like, just do that. Right. Which is to say, spend time with like empathy and considering your world and your plot and your characters and write and rewrite and rewrite. And create something. Create something. Hmm. We're not just throwing words on a page to satisfy a requirement. You stopped doing that after you graduated high school. Yep. What's the point of making a show or a movie? Or t- and th- th- there are people who are more talented than other people. But for the most part, sure. there are writing rooms, right? There's mm-hmm. three or five or ten or fifteen people who are collaborating on this thing together. Mm-hmm someone in there has to be able to be able to just manifest empathy. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, right? That's what, that's what writing comes down to. It's a manifestation of empathy. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you know, it's, there was a choice to do this episode because there was something they wanted to say and something they wanted to do versus, and this is why it's good versus, say something like the walking dead that does this episode because they need 24 episodes or however many episodes. That's what I'm saying. It's writing, it's writing to a purpose. It's writing to achieve something as opposed to, well, I have to fill some time here. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. this is the, the distillation of what we've talked about. Like stop doing a 12 or 13 episode show. If you only have eight episodes worth of material, just do an eight episode show. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the creator who is like, <laughs> says he, there's like a two hour cut of that episode that he cries every time he watches it. And it's just like, I like, I, I do, I do wonder if they polish that up and release it as a stand, like as a little, as a movie at some point. Well, at that point, you, yeah, you might as well just do it as like an indie movie. Like it's, it, yeah. it wouldn't work. It would extremely not only be unnecessary, but it wouldn't work as an episode of the show as a two hour. No, no. It would have to be its own thing. Even if you're getting... Length of time. Even if you're getting more, like, Joel and Tess, it it still Mm -hmm. wouldn't work. Yeah. As as an episode of the show. It would work on its own, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't work as an episode of the show if it was significantly longer than it was. 
They told a perfect self-contained story within the framework of the time and space. I mean, it it would have been nice. There is something heart. I mean, the story on its own is heartbreaking, but there was something mm-hmm. particularly heartbreaking, cruel of not getting a chance to see them all interact together in the present day and to, to watch how they would help. You almost wish it doesn't work for this story, but you almost wish there was a different world where they could have helped Joel and Ellie grieve Tess's death. Mm. And then on a return journey, help Bill grieve Frank's death. I don't know that that would have been a better version. It probably wouldn't have been, but there's almost an element of me where I feel like that was even robbed to see the mirrored in that way, especially considering all the parallels that were drawn as we see Bill and Joel Frank, uh, like uh, buttheads, and you see Tess and Frank hit it off, <laughs> and then we see Bill write a letter to Joel, where it's like we didn't have to necess- probably Joel, probably Joel. We didn't have to <laughs> necessarily agree or even like each other to be able to see a reflection of each other in ourselves mm-hmm. and understand our importance, even and, and to even that the tacit. For them to, they both of them were men of so few words when it didn't come to talking to people they loved, and they shared so few words together on screen and pretty much told each other actively, "Yeah, I'm not really, you're not really doing it for me." Yeah, but for Bill to have been able to, even in that short amount of time, identify within him that same pain and and an internal hidden strife of what is my worth in this world. Bill found that through Frank and Joel didn't consciously find it. And for Bill to be able to tell him to communicate to him, to, to draw it out from him mm. um, in his own death. Yeah. There was something really powerful about that. For sure. You know, what? I, I a subtle thing that I kind of hadn't thought about until we were recapping the episode was when Bill was shot, and he's like, it's looking grim. <laughs> like it's a gut shot in the apocalypse with no with no medicine or utility. Or I mean, I'm sure they had some stuff because he's a you know a, a prepper. But like survivor, he he's like <laughs> go. He's like find Joel. He'll he'll take care of you. Like yeah. in that moment, like you know that they've clearly had other interactions right over time. Like that we don't have to see for it to build, and they just made it that much more impactful. I feel like to not show you all of them, but to to show that their relationships were stronger. Oh, what a great episode. It was funny. It was sad. It was intense. It was, there was like crazy action. Like there was, it was all over. It had, it had everything. This club has everything. <laughs> this episode had everything. Um, most importantly, it had another iteration of a comedic actor who crushed it in a drama role mm-hmm. in Nick Offerman. Yeah. You know, you always picture Ron Swanson, who, to be fair, is a straight man, and he usually plays a straight man in comedic entities. But, you know, he still gets opportunities, like, when he does his ridiculous Ron Swanson giggle or whatever, like, you know, and he gets giddy. That's his Nick Offerman giggle? Yeah. Well, I think he even plays it up a bit as Ron Swanson. But regardless, um, to see him really, truly not just not play straight for the comedy, nor do the ridiculous giddy thing for him to just be a person who, you know, goes through all of the best and worst possible things that a person can go through. Yeah. Ah. 
what a what a wonderful change of course <laughs> from the game. Well, uh, moving on to episode four, where we find Joel and Ellie uh, making some progress on the road and encountering our first. Well, I guess you could say that in the previous episode we encountered some raiders with what uh, Bill and Frank went through, but Joel and Ellie encountering their first raiders on the road. Uh, who, which I think is really cool. They're getting, they're humanizing them. They're giving you a story which doesn't exist in the game of like, okay, why am I fighting these people? <laughs> like, what, why are they fighting me? Like, what is the point? And th- I think that's, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're doing there because the characters that they introduced at the end of the episode, there's a really great story that goes on with them. Mm-hmm. So to kind of add this layer to it of people being after them is 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 interesting. Oh, so like the Melanie Linsky character and all and like her group, they weren't part of the sh- the, of the game. They're just like faceless ah, raiders. Okay. They're not like there's no there's no story behind them. Okay, which okay. doesn't work in a storytelling space. <laughs> so, well, I guess you could have just been like, yeah, they're you know anarchist raider people or mm-hmm. whatever, but giving them this sort of storyline where they're you know the the people who are being protected but also oppressed possibly and it's you know it's a question of what's the line of that and then to overthrow their protector slash oppressor mm. and see what the fallout of that situation is I'm, I'm sure it'll make for an interesting story no there's a uh did you did you by any chance catch the post episode chat that they do no the actor um i don't know the, the the real mercenary looking guy with the beard. oh I, I saw he was from the game right yeah that's that's pretty cool the voice of of Tommy and I was like he, he does sound familiar <laughs> yeah I did read about that yeah that was that was cool I don't think I don't remember if they said his name on the show but I know what I was reading they, they said his may have name in it so well ultimately like not not a ton going on in the episode it's actually a lot of setup yeah much more straightforward uh, except for what so it was much more straightforward episode yeah i do think that like the building of joel and ellie's relationship was really cool though in that episode right and the whole the jokes the diarrhea joke (laughs) it was so it was so funny and ellie you know shooting the kid in the back and like all of that and like the fallout of that and like the conversations of like we're starting to we're starting to crack open the book a little bit on what is ellie's life and what is joel's life and you know, what has she experienced already? And like, you know, it's not the first time I've had to do that. And I was like, what? Like, I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so like, that's, that's really cool. Um, and I just like to, they, they, their chemistry is great. Yeah. So uh, like, well, well done on the, uh, the casting. No, still a good episode. It, it, it is left the unenviable task of following episode three. Sure. Um, but, uh, it was good for what it was, like you said, setting the table for a, a lot of other stuff that's to come. And still, mm-hmm. you know, giving you enough story and enough stuff going on that, you know, you get a, a, a nice action sequence which offsets the fact that a lot of this episode is just sitting quietly. Mm-hmm. So. Well, looking forward to Friday night's episode. That's right. We get an early episode to uh, move off of the uh, conflict with the Super Bowl, so. Do we know how many episodes in total this? I know that we talked about it at some point. 
I think it was eight or something. But I could be wrong. Maybe it was 13. Either way, you have some more last words with us for the It looks like nine. Nine? All right. Cool. We passed the halfway mark. Oh, also, I've, uh, I, I did see that my close personal friend, Alan Seppenwall, had an advanced copy of this episode, obviously, and wrote his review. And he said, I absolutely no way, shape, or form spoilers, but next episode, good. <laughs> really yeah, good. Yeah, so. I, I assume that I, I have a guess of what chunk of story we're telling in the next one, I can, if I'm right. I can tell you this, the title of the episode is Endure and Survive. Mm-hmm. Can't can't say anything. <laughs> Don't want to. That's fine. Until next week.